With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks for listening to the Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Good Tuesday to you. We are coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, the Outkick the Coverage radio program on the air. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com and get yourself a free rate quote. My name is Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. Joined by eight-year NFL offensive line veteran Jeff Schwartz at G-E-O-F-F. If you want to find him on Twitter, Clay Travis, if you want to find him, you need to be in Los Angeles. He will be there for the remainder of the week, which means we will be in these chairs behind these microphones, filling in as admirably as we can. He's out there doing some really cool stuff. Hopefully, before the end of the week, we'll be able to clue you in on some of that, but you should be very excited about some of the things coming via the Clay Travis world in the coming weeks and in the coming months. So he's out there handling some business. So we're here. Jeff, what's up, buddy? Oh, I'm glad to be here, man. It's nice. Like I said this last time we hosted, normally we're like in the dead of of the summer when we get to host. And now we get to be on with NFL preseason, obviously in full swing, rookie quarterback news everywhere. Andrew Luck played last night. So we're heading into week three of the preseason, which will actually be here pretty soon Thursday. Browns, Giants, um, uh, not Browns, Giants, Browns, Eagles get to play on Thursday. Um, and the Urban Meyer news, which should drop at some yep. point, maybe Wednesday. That I think the, the Board of Trustees is meeting. So Thursday or Friday, possibly, we'll get Urban Meyer news. You know, just there's so much. To talk about Animal Thunder at home, I mean, it's a fantastic oh, yeah. time to be on the radio, and I'm glad we have this opportunity to do it uh, together, and we will uh, we'll cover a lot of subjects, and, and we hope you guys are able to call in and join the conversation as well. 
Absolutely. You should do that at 877-99 on Fox. That's 877-996-6369. One thing I found out last night, I was talking to Clay on the phone um, around right before I went to sleep last night, and he told me something. He said he didn't really understand why, but Indy is a huge market for Outkick. Like, they are gigantic fans of this really? show and of this brand. They're always near the top of the list of downloads when you look at state-by-state state downloads in this country. So, let's throw them some red meat here off the top. Andrew Luck played football last night. He did. Uh, he didn't play, like, great football last night, but it's preseason, and he's still trying to kind of get his sea legs underneath him. 6-13 last night for Andrew Luck. 50 yards, an interception, was sacked twice in his 23 plays uh, for the preseason as a whole, 12 of 22, 114 yards over seven series, has yet to throw the deep ball. There was actually one called last night, Jeff, but that was on one of the sacks. So he wasn't able to actually <laughs> yeah. get it out of there. But luck, if you listen to him, he's just so excited to be on a football field again, doing this for a living again, that all of what he is saying is basically positive and you you can't really blame him like he is very honest about his own performance he, he was in the first game and he is now but i will say this seeing 12 out there in the coach uniform it does feel like the nfl's in a better place when andrew luck's playing football so i love me some andrew luck um i think yes. he's he's, uh, he's look when he when he has been healthy he has gotten his team to the AFC championship game like he is a good football player he's a really good football player um, and he's one of those guys that everyone knew coming in the draft in 2012 was going to be a special player. Before we get talked about this game, so I I, I you know, do my radio show last night on Pac-12 today. I go downstairs. My wife and I prepare things for the kids in the morning. Um, go in the bedroom. She's playing on her phone or whatever, and I put the game on. And I'm just like walking around the bedroom, kind of getting things set up for the morning and and. Andrew Luck is being interviewed. I think it was like the middle of the third quarter. And she's like, who's this Andrew Luck guy? And I'm like, starting quarterback for the Colts. And she goes, I can't I can't look at him. Because he had the he had the, the mustache going with like the beard yeah. and looked just ragged. She goes, I can't, I can't I just can't look at him. And he's he's not wearing his pads either. He must not be very important. And I was like, <laughs> just just no no idea whatsoever. Zero <laughs> awareness. Um, it's un- it was unbelievable. Um, I love his look, by the way. His mustache just just doesn't care. You know, here's a you know a couple takeaways for me. One, obviously, um, I think you worry about not arm strength, but just durability throughout the year. Um, he's been out a long time, and no matter how much you say um, it's not going to affect him, it's going to affect his arm strength and his, his his durability throughout the year. We saw last year with just a short sample size of, of Cam Noon, right? So he was out the entire preseason, not entire preseason, but the entire offseason program. He comes into training camp. Um, he was basically put on the shelf for most of training camp, comes out first four or five weeks last year, just not the same quarterback. And eventually his arm strength came back. And so we've seen some throws from Andrew Luck where you're like, man, that looks like the Andrew of old. Um, but we have not seen that that deep ball, like you said, Jason. We have not seen him be able to do it consistently. And part of that is, obviously, he's getting hit a little bit and he's working back into to the rhythm of things. But so far, not has not had a, a relapse, not been re-injured. Um, he looks in command of the offense. And like you said, he just seems genuinely thrilled to be back on the field. I remember his, I, I read a quote of his after the first game, like, look, I was emotionally drained from the first game. Like, I was so excited to be back. It was nice. It was refreshing to hear that honesty 
from Andrew Luck, but they've beefed up that offensive line. They added Quinn Nelson. They added a, a, another guard in the third round. Um, uh, you know, they have the run game. They have the wide like they, they're adding pieces to to the team. I think Ballard's doing a good job as a GM. Uh, so I like the, the the Colts' direction. I love Andrew Luck. I hope he can he can sustain and be healthy all season long because when he's healthy, he's a special quarterback. And guys, Colts fans, it might take a year. Like it might take him this entire year to just build up that arm strength, that durability, the balance. But I mean, he might have to take some practices off during the week, which is totally normal. Um, but it, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that it's gonna take a, a year to really get that full Andrew Luck experience back getting used to playing with all his wide receivers, his offensive line. It's a new scheme as well, right? Frank Wright comes in from Philly, so he's got to adapt to to a new scheme, and that takes a while as well. But I'm excited to see him out there now. Um, obviously, you know, one of the sacks last night, you mentioned the deep throw. You know, you can't let Terrell Suggs run free. <laughs> yeah, Doyle kind of um, let him go by, back. and then the lineman well, had no chance. To, he's supposed to just yeah, chip yeah, him and go. bumped him off, um, right. And because it was a pressure, they, they blocked it a certain way. Um but I mean, I don't know what, what, what you thought. I was just, I'm just glad he's back. And the lead, here's the thing is, we always talk about, and I'm not saying I don't really, I'm not really part of this, but but you know, we, we talk about who's the next kind of batch of quarterbacks to lead right. the NFL after the Brady and the Breeze and and you know, Peyton Manning has already gone and Big Ben. I mean, we have a such a young crop of quarterbacks that's really good, and Andrew Luck is is part of that group if he's healthy. And there's a lot of a lot of excitement for me in this league with our quarterbacks. And uh, I think if you're a football fan, you should be excited about the, you know the way our game is going and how quickly these young quarterbacks. We'll talk at length today about some of these young quarterbacks and the, and the direction they're headed. Just how quickly you know guys are up to speed now compared to where they used to be in the past and how long it took to to become kind of a viable starting quarterback. One thing that I missed. Uh, over the last, you know, however long it's been since Andrew Luck has really been able to play and we've been able to watch him on the field. He and Aaron Rodgers both share this. And, you know, Peyton had it to some extent, but I think just the the athleticism that you see from Luck and Aaron Rodgers, their footwork, when they need it, they're they're not happy feet. They look like happy feet, but they're not. They're under complete control. And you saw Luck do this several times last night where he was able to shift laterally and looked like he took like 10 cartoon character Looney Tunes steps before he took it off, and he then delivered a perfect ball. It was good to see. It really was. I do want to see him throw deep, and I don't think there's a bigger wild card in the NFL this year than Andrew Luck. In terms of is, as you said, is he going to be able to hold up? Is the durability going to be there down the stretch at the end of the season uh, if the offensive line gives up a couple of bad shots? Is the shoulder going to hold up? all the way through the year. There are a couple of guys actually in that division in the AFC South, Andrew Luck and J.J. Watt, who you really want to see play football. Guys that make the league better. J.J. Watt in particular has just not been able to stay out there yeah. as much as you would want to see him stay out there. I mean, you want to see everybody healthy across the NFL, but in particular, two guys in the AFC South that are both glitzy names in terms of stars that people really like that people will go out of their way to see and both of them have had a hard time staying on the field and you just hope for the sake of the NFL product that those two guys in particular are finally able to put it together from a health standpoint and be there when their teams need them down the stretch of the season well the AFC South is completely wide open to me and you mentioned Andrew Luck being a wild card I mean look the Colts roster is probably not there now to win 
the division. But if Andrew Luck is healthy, that definitely puts him in the conversation to win the division. I've talked about you know not being as high on Jacksonville as, as other people have. I think Houston. It's interesting if you look at and I haven't checked the odds in a while, uh, but to win the AFC, I think it's I think Houston is the second or third best odds, maybe even ahead of Pittsburgh. I mean, feel that feels a little premature to me, but the weapons are there, and, and Deshaun Watson the other night I thought looked really good against San Francisco. And you look, you know, and you turn to Tennessee. I know you're in Nashville. I, I'm not as enthralled with the Titans, and there's a lot of talk around the gambling circle about you know the Titans are a great pick for under their win total this year. Um, but I like Mariota. I think that they have a lot of talent on that team. It's a matter of kind of putting it all together under Vrabel, uh, which I think which I think they can do. And, and then the Colts. So it, you know what turned from last year a runaway for 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 Jacksonville because of a lot of injuries in the South. Doesn't feel that way this year, and and, and you mentioned JJ Watt being back. Um, you know, I think it's it's great to have him on the field. He doesn't he doesn't really move the needle defensively for Houston as much. Like if you look at when he plays and doesn't play, there's not that big of a difference. It's nice to have him there, obviously, and what he's done for the city of Houston is is fantastic. I wish guys would get kind of more credit. We always talk about too often, in my opinion, the negative uh, about NFL players. And he got $38 million donated to the city of Houston after the hurt. I mean, that's that's remarkable. Um, I wish he would get more credit for that. On the field, he's he's worth not even half a point, I think, gambling-wise, right? Like any, when he's on and when he's I don't off. I think he's worth any points. I think that and if you yeah. look at most of the time, uh, only quarterbacks – Right, have any real influence on a Zeke line? Elliott last year changed a couple, you know, a couple lines, you know, but you're not getting a big change in any lines for any defender being out. There's really no one, you know. Example, you know, let's say I think Joey Bosa right now is the leader for defensive player of the year. Him and Watt heading into the season. You know, if you were to lose Joey Bosa, you still have Melvin Ingram, right? I mean, it's not like you would. You're not. You're not dropping any points in in the line uh, for losing him. Um, is it crazy that I bet on preseason football, by the way? Yeah, you've, you're a degenerate, Jeff. Is like it, you've, it, but, you've completely gone down the rabbit hole in the wrong direction. It's, it's, an, win, all, it's almost you, an embarrassment to be talking to you. Are you, what? Are you a degenerate if you win? Honestly, you're not a degenerate to, to do it because you actually make preseason football interesting at that point. Like, I continue to find out year after year. I love seeing football again, and then a quarter into these games, I'm looking to find the next game that's starting because I don't want right. to see four quarters of these reserves. So you actually have a purpose in watching these games a lot deeper. So really, I think I'm going to retract my statement. found a way to make preseason ball interesting all the way around. <laughs> and I think uh, that that's a, a very, very good thing. Um, yes, but I also, I mean, like strategically, like I took the first half under last night, just knowing that Flacco and Luck and, and there's week two of the preseason is a hard week. Um, mm-hmm. It was always my worst game of the preseason. Was the second game, and I'll tell you why. And I think that we see this often with a little bit of of regression. Week one, you're so excited to play someone. Finally, the rosters are so wonky. Like you might end up, you know, you might be an Andrew Luck, and, and play, I think they played Seattle right the first game. Yeah. You might get, you know, Luck played almost a full quarter. You might get Seattle starters out there for for three plays, right? Like a three and out, and they're done. And then you play the twos, and so there's a lot of wonkiness as far as offensive production in week one in my opinion um and then week two you see the starters more but just that week of practice to me was always the worst because you finally you you have 15 days of camp you play your first game it feels like the regular season so if you're a veteran you feel like you know you get let's just say for 
for say you play on a Sunday for the preseason, right? So you get you know Saturday you leave camp, so you either go home or you or you or you're 40 at home, I guess, or you travel. You get Saturday night off. Uh, you get all of Sunday to just rest and relax, and, and then you play your night game on Sunday. Feels like the regular season. Then Monday, it's like, oh, I got to go back to training camp now for another week to play our next game. You're tired, you're beat up, and and for me, I was typically always playing a lot in that first game as kind of a, a backup tackle-ish guard player most of my career until until I got to New York. So I played a lot of reps in, in game one, and then you get to game two. And you're back at training camp now. You're sore. You're tired. You just got a little bit of, of taste of the regular season, and it's just a bad it's just a bad week. So is that, and that's also usually the combined practice a well, lot of yeah, times the, the, as well yes, leading into that. Yes, and yes, you can do that. We did ours, and when I was in Detroit uh, the week before, but some people do too. Like I think the Patriots have done too. The Lions I think have done too. You can. A lot of teams are opting to do that joint practice, which I have not. Um, I did it once. And I was in Detroit, and we went to Pittsburgh, and there was a no fighting mandate from Caldwell and Tom. Mm. And we, it was the most cordial practice I've ever been a part. Of. I thought it was going to be wow. like a drag out brawl, and it wasn't. We had no issues whatsoever. Nothing was even close to a fight. Um, it was good work because they, Pittsburgh runs a scheme that we don't see very often um, in a three four. So we we got some good work in. It was totally cool. I, I see why guys want to fight now. I get it. I get what, why these happen. A lot of a lot of talking between both sides of the ball, knowing that you might not play each other the rest of the year, so you can talk now and get over with. And guys, th- you know, throw some throw some fists and, and it, it gets down. Well, we'll uh, yeah, we'll, we'll throw some fists on the other side. No, we won't. We will uh, we will talk about the Twiki quarterbacks and maybe whether or not this is one of the better quarterback ages. That we've ever seen in the NFL. Andrew Luck played last night. His backup, Jacoby Brissett, that kid can play in case you didn't realize that. We'll talk about all of that next. This is Outkick the Coverage with Jay Martin Jeff in for Clay on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back inside the Geico Outkick Studios for the Outkick the Coverage Radio program. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people pay for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Confident here, as always, on Outkick the Coverage Tuesday edition. I'm Jason Martin, joined by eight-year NFL offensive line veteran Jeff Schwartz. Clay Travis in Los Angeles. We may hear from him before the end of the week. We will see about that. So, we talked about Andrew Luck in that first segment. And right there at the end, we mentioned Jacoby Brissett's name. Jacoby Brissett is a very capable backup that could start at many times in many years in this league for certain yes. teams for sure. There was that report that came out uh, in advance of yesterday's game that the Seahawks offered a second-round pick to get him. The Colts really like having him as a backup to Luck, which why wouldn't you? He's a guy who is a not just capable, but somebody who can go out there and win you games at the quarterback spot if you need him to do so. And with Luck's health, you better make sure that you've got some depth behind him just in case. But that's a nice problem to have if you're Indianapolis. Booger McFarland actually said that report was erroneous and that the Seahawks are denying that they did it. Either way, Jacoby Brissett can play football. Like I believed it when I saw that simply because why wouldn't you? If you could get Jacoby Brissett, go get Jacoby Brissett. That guy is somebody that could absolutely help you. 
Well, they don't have a second round pick next year, so they would be trading a 2020 second round pick, which I don't think Indy would want in return. And to your point about backup quarterbacks, we saw this year how important a backup quarterback was. And I'm not saying that yeah. you, you know that, that Jacoby Brissett is leading you to a Super Bowl, but he played well last year. And I think he's got one year left on his contract. And of course, with Andrew Luck's health situation, why would you want to trade him? Real quick, though. Can we talk about how great Booger McFarlane's been on these two telecasts dude, so far? Dude, I'm, I, this is no surprise. I've been watching him on SEC Network for years. This dude, ESPN, like brass and like the Staffords, the people that staff Monday Night Football, have called him, and this is a quote, football's Charles Barkley. Yes, now, he's fantastic. That's, that's a really, really high bar because Barkley to me is the best in all of media. But Booger McFarlane has been nothing but spectacular in the media pretty much since day one he's willing yes. to say everything he's incredibly articulate and well-spoken yes he is. but he doesn't speak above you like i absolutely adore listening to booger mcfarland you know i think jason win a couple things he sounds a little like he doesn't know what he's quite doing yet which makes sense right he's not done a lot of games but he doesn't seem like relatable quite like tony romo does or booger mcfarland right he just seems very like like this is football, and this is why this is. It's called. a little robotic. It's 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 yeah. a little bit robotic and a little bit mechanical in some ways, and I think that it shows you. I think some people maybe didn't give Romo credit because people that don't broadcast have not broadcasted, don't understand that it's really easy to do that job badly, and we oh, have yeah. heard people do it badly through the years. But I don't know that people gave Tony Romo enough credit. Tony Romo blew me away in the booth in a way that I never anticipated. I thought he would be good. I had no idea he might be the best of all time. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's how good he was. Right. And then so you bring in another cowboy. And, of course, Aikman's been very good on on Fox for years as well. So you bring in another cowboy, a very likable guy in Jason Witten, and there's a learning curve for Jason Witten. And we are watching that learning curve right there on television. It is not quite the same. There are guys that can talk about football and then there's guys that can relate to you about football. And when you talk about Jason Witten, you don't have that Dan Orlovsky where Orlovsky's a guy you want to listen to. Right. And he's somebody that you can understand. Booger McFarlane's somebody you can understand. I, I think Ryan Clark is a guy that you can understand. There are guys that really are good at doing that. And then there are some where it's not a natural skill. It's not a gift necessarily. It's something that they're trying to build. They're trying to learn. They're trying to get more reps and get better. And I think Jason Witten may end up being there, but he's definitely a few steps behind maybe, I think, where some people thought he could be at this stage. Well, I think Romo set a really high bar, which is tough, which is tough. Super high. Um, and I think your point is, is valid. I think I think Witten's giving information that is accurate, except except one time last night it was very interesting. I, and this is, like, I don't listen to a lot of games with the volume on, um, but... There was it was end of the first half. There were 23 seconds left, and Baltimore had no more timeouts, and they had the ball about the 20 going in. And Wynn said, you know, made a comment like, "Look, Lamar Jackson's got to find the end zone here or throw it away," which makes sense. He you know, he doesn't have time to do much else. He has plenty of time to throw the ball in the, in the middle of the field, spike it, and get a field goal. Like that, that's 16 seconds is about the time you need. And Wynn knows that. Yeah. I was just surprised like he didn't bring up. All the options, which are obviously, if you throw the ball in bounds, you got to get up and spike it and get ready for the next play or a field goal. Like that's a valid option in that situation. Um, but I think to your point, he seems like a little bit robotic. But Booger McFarland, and, and what I think is pretty cool is they're using him as an analyst 
from that little perch, and that's a unique place to watch the game. And his, what he has said, man, has been right on. Like it's almost like they defer to him a lot of times ahead of Witten, which is kind of odd to me. I don't know if they set it up like, okay, you're up Booger or you're up um, Witten. But normally Wynn should be the first guy to say something, and sometimes Booger gets in there and, and makes a comment. So the Cowboy thing, by the way, being ex-Cowboys alive and well, did you see DeMarco Murray got a, a job at Fox Sports doing uh, college football? I did read that. And that was not, he was not like the most ebullient personality. Like, I mean, DeMarco Murray was here for a couple of years. I mean, we've heard him talk. He's not quite Kawhi Leonard, but he's certainly not somebody that you hear from a lot. And he's another very business-like guy. He's not, he's not the life of the party. DeMarco Murray at times could be a little bit rigid to deal with because he really cared about his job, which I mean, that's a good thing. That's what you want out of your football players. You want somebody that goes out there and runs for it every time like it's the last time he's ever going to touch a football but when I saw that that was definitely one of those moments where that dude had a star on the side of his helmet let's go ahead and land him if we can oh man I need need to get that star on my helmet man yeah you would you would be doing 13 radio shows a week instead of just 40 like you you, you do you're doing a lot you don't need Uh, to be doing more Jeff I I said I said the other day I said I said if I was a Dallas Cowboy, I'd be on Fox, NBC, CBS, ESPN, and ABC all at once. Like, I mean, it would be. I mean, look, Dan Orlovsky, by the way, you talk about Dan. If he had a star in his helmet, he'd already be, he might have got that Monday Night Football job. Um, if it, it's just crazy how that works. And look, but look to your point though, the guys that have had a star in their helmet have done well in the media. It's not just a hoods. I mean, you know, very H-Man true. And 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 we and um. um Romo, look, Moose Johnson has done a good job. Moose has um, been very good for a long time. You're yeah. absolutely right. Look, you can say what you want about Michael Irvin and Deion Sanders, but they're they're entertainment, um, which is part there's, of the there's job something, being, Jeff. There's something. There's somebody's entertainment. There, I'm not. I'm not. I think I like. Michael I don't hate Irvin. Irvin. I don't dislike Irvin terribly. I like him much more I dislike, than Deion. Dion drives me insane. Like Dion is—it's almost like Dion's still trying to play in the league. The way he sometimes gushes over certain guys, but you know, he obviously didn't know be, Kevin like, Byard's name to, here in Nashville last you year. You have to have entertainment, though. It's some of those. You know, you can't. Not everyone can be like an X and O's guy, and I think that that. Say I guess I just about. like I, I like the X's. I, I like my guys more like Lewis Riddick, oh, and less great. like Dion Sanders. Um. Fair enough, fair enough. But, you know, so back to win. I think you, he will be fine. It might take him a little bit of time. And, and you know, Romo, unfortunately, or fortunately, everyone will look at it because he did such a good job. The bar is so high now for new guys coming in um, because Romo was calling out plays and doing unique things. And and what I found most unique about Romo, I've called a couple of a, a couple games in college last year as an analyst, um, is – you typically, it's it's a react. You react to the play and to your play by play guy. It's not like a conversation, right? As much, and Romo was like having a conversation with Jim Nance, and you could tell that Jim Nance wasn't used to it at first. Nance you know, Nance be, had Nance had to learn the cadence. He had to realize yes. that Romo was actually going to talk over the start of the play at times. Correct. Like that's something that you don't see. You see the color Correct. guy try to get in in ten to twelve seconds. Look at the monitor, see what happened, go back and make some cognizant point about how this was blocked or who got open and why they got open or who blew the coverage, and then get out so that Nance or whoever the play-by-play guy is can set up the next play. And from day one, Tony Romo was like, no, 
Like, I'm going to talk to you. We're going to have a conversation, yeah. and I'm going to talk to America about football like we're right. sitting on the couch watching it as opposed right. to we need to fit this into this scheme and this into this moment. Right, but he would also, like, ask Jim for his opinion. He'd be like... Yes, yeah, you know, that's he'd right. Th- thir- he'd be like, you know, third and eight, and Rome would be like, you know, I feel like this is a good opportunity to run this play. Jim, what do you think about that? And he'd be like, uh, um, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Tony. <laughs> like, that's not typically the way it goes. He made Jim work. It, like, he made him work in a way that Jim's never had to I mean, work before. It was I fantastic. Think, um, I think it was fantastic, and it broke the norms, which is kind of nice, because I've when I call games, I think that's... I like to have more fun than just kind of be like the normal roles of, of calling games. I think Romo has allowed that to happen now. Now, you have to be good at it, right? And Romo obviously was was very good at it. And I don't listen to a lot of games with the volume on just because I'm either in my bedroom or I'm on the radio, so it's on my iPad. And um, But I, I thought, like I said, I think Booger McFarland's fantastic so far. I wonder if they give him a bigger role as the season goes on. And, and I know they have a traditional sideline reporter, I believe, Lisa Salters. Um, but I wonder if they put... Yep. Booger up in the booth at some point, especially in these miserable weather games. I mean, having him at the end of the year sitting. Yeah, out he can't be wh- in the Booger mobile getting snowed on for three hours on Monday nights. Like that's no uh, good. Or getting um, rained on. They've got to, but they need to utilize him as much as possible. You're you're definitely right about that. He is he is talent. Like you can see it. He's got it. He's got something that makes you want to listen to everything that he has he, to say because you trust yeah. in his opinion and you know he's actually going to bring you an opinion where a lot of guys won't. Right. One weird uh, Twitter thing. Um, so Booger is like so anti-offensive line on Twitter, and it's really funny because um, a, a couple people like will tweet him clips of offensive linemen double teaming D linemen, and he just he just blasts. It's so funny. He's because he, he used to play D line. Um, he's so anti-offensive line. It's fantastic, actually. Like most people that are, I think, are kind of do it in a jerky way he doesn't it's really fun to if you so if you follow him and, and you send him like an offensive line clip just see his reaction it's really fun we, we may have to talk about twitter and have a bit of an intervention with you coming up but first let's break from the norm as you said a couple of minutes ago and bring in our main man eddie garcia he's out of studio in los angeles find out the latest in the world of sports eddie all right boys we'll start with a geico scoreboard from major league baseball where the cardinals beat the dodgers in la five to three la closer kenley jansen just off the disabled list from a heart issue, gave up solo home runs through the first two batters he faced in the ninth inning, ended up taking the loss. St. Louis is now tied with Colorado and Philadelphia for the wild card spots in the National League. LA's two back in the wild card race. A's shut out the Rangers 9-0. Oakland is now tied with Houston for the AL West lead and for a wild card spot in the American League. The Astros lost to the Mariners 7-4. Seattle's three and a half out in the AL West and in the wild card race in the AL. Braves over the Pirates 1-0. Atlanta now has a one-game lead on Philadelphia for first in the NL East. Brewers over the Reds 5-2. Milwaukee has got the top spot right now for a wild card spot in the National League. And they're also three back in the NL Central. Battle of division leaders, the Indians beat the Red Sox 5-4. Cleveland's Corey Kluber gets his 16th win of the year. That's tied for the Major League lead. NFL preseason football, Ravens over the Colts 20-19. Indianapolis quarterback Andrew Luck was 6-13 passing for 50 yards, no touchdowns, and one interception. This support brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Now back to the Geico Outkick Cover Studios with Jason Martin. Thank you, Eddie. We'll talk to you next hour. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Just go to the website. It's geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. I'll kick the coverage radio program here on a Tuesday. Jeff Schwartz with me. I'm Jason Martin in Nashville. He's in Charlotte. 
Clay Travis in Los Angeles. He'll be back with you on Monday. We may chat with him at some point later on in the week, depending on when the Ohio State news comes down and what that news reveals. So I said that we might need to have an intervention here, Jeff. Uh, one of my closest friends who also works in the media, a colleague and actually co-hosts with me here in Nashville, sends me a message Saturday night that says, Jeff Schwartz loves him some Twitter fights, huh? And so, of course, I replied to him uh, and said, I haven't really been fights. paying that close of attention. And then his response was, I feel like 75% of the tweets I see from him these days are him arguing with somebody. And then I started to think about it. I'm like, you do argue a lot on Twitter. Like, you block people, I think. No, I don't or blo- you I mute don't block, them. You mute people. I don't people. block a lot of people. I mute, you I mute, mute people. people. Um, no, people actually You just like, get joy out of this now? Well, I, th- I think it's like I get... It's, I get this stuff all day from people, like just every com- – like there's certain comments I make that are like non-disputable. Like when I talk about offensive line play, it's like it's non-disputable. Like I'm not I'm not giving you like an opinion. Um, I'm telling thank you, you for like not giving fact- – uh, thank you for not giving Skip Bayless uh, any credit by using the word non-disputable instead of calling out the name of his television show. Oh, sorry. I, that didn't even cross my mind. No, that's like, nothing to it, apologize. That that's me giving you credit. That's a positive like it's, it's that like, you did not do that. So like it's not disputable and some of this stuff is not disputable and so like and the way I've always dealt with my Twitter is like I think that that and I I thank people that send me tweets that agree with me. I don't I just don't like do it publicly. I don't like quote retweet them. Um but I think it's important to a let people know that I'm not going to take take it from them because i think it's, that's important to to know and i think this i feel like people people um i'll put this this way like i get a lot of the same comments and i so i just quote tweet one of them and give my opinion to shut down everyone else from saying the same thing i, I mean it doesn't really help that's most fair of the time um but the same the same negative opinion about a comment i make is the same that everyone has there's no like unique it's not like three different opinions to a to you know or different differing opinions from what i have to say so a lot of it comes with offensive line play you know i made i put up a clip of matt khalil the other day explained why not all sacks are on matt khalil and are not on offensive linemen and just people like that's not disputable this is the play that happened matt did his job and cam didn't throw the ball those are the facts of the play um and people just couldn't get over it so um I just feel like it's it's necessary to bring that up. I don't know. Okay, I mean th- that's fair. You do you do go after a lot of folks on Twitter streets these days, a little bit more maybe than I, than I would have expected originally. But you explain a lot it of it way times has well to there. do with like what I'm doing. And this weekend I just wasn't like I was doing nothing. Cause I was on, I was at the beach and just I was on my phone the whole time. It just depends on the time of day too. Am I too mean to people on Twitter? My parents think I'm too mean to people on Twitter. Uh... I mean, dude, the the host of this show, like, based on some of the tweets and some of the responses, like, at least you don't go after people's avatars and, like, their family photos and things like that. Like, if you go after Clay, they're coming out, he's coming after your avatar. He's coming after some hat you're wearing or the shirt you're wearing or, God forbid, you have a pop collar or something like that. Like, you're done for if you say anything that disagrees with him and if you happen to use any kind of name in it then he's going to find a way to either find a typo or go after something personal. Like, you don't go after things personal. You just call people idiots. We're not idiots. We'll be right back. It's Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Geico Outkick Studios here on a Tuesday. Outkick the Coverage. Getting you up, keeping you up here on this Tuesday. 
Clay Travis in Los Angeles doing some cool things. Hopefully we'll be able to tell you about some of those in the coming days. I'm Jason Martin, used to be the executive producer of this fine radio program, was blessed to have that job for a year and a half. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. Jeff Schwartz is with me. He's been a guest on Wednesdays pretty much since the first month we were on air. You've been with us about as long as I've been with us, and he's at G-E-O-F-F Schwartz on the tweets. You were, you were kind of a P1 guest, not a P1 listener, P P1 how's, guest on this how's show. Your, um, how's your new show going? Every night, right? One hour? Two hours? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's, it is one hour, and... It's going fantastic. If I if I must be honest and very coolly right now in Nashville, you can hear it on 104.5 The Zone because Outkick the Coverage's first hour has been picked up again on the station that I work on. So we now have a synergy that we did not have so I can welcome in the listeners of The Big Six, which is the name of my program, which you can, of course, subscribe to via podcast if you're somebody that misses hearing my voice and uh, both of you out there, you are willing to, and you can go out there and download the podcast as fast as you'd like. But yeah, the show's going great and uh, better, honestly, I think at this point than I anticipated just in terms of the response and been to a lot of training camp and saw Jameis Winston not look good at all last week uh, in practice, just look completely disengaged. I don't know. Like, I wonder if he's disengaged because of the fact he knows he's not going to be playing it. Like if you know, you're not going to play for the first three or four games of the year, as is the case with James Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick's out there with the ones, is it hard? Or do you think it would be hard Jeff to care if you're James Winston right now, knowing you're not going to play for a month? Like I, or is that a big red flag? You know, what's interesting about your comments about him in practice, he's actually looked really good in the games, <laughs> and I think that's true. Uh, he looked good. He looked good Saturday. Um, You're not wrong, and he looked good in the first game too. But the thing I, I will say is, he's playing against the twos. He should look good, right? He's a starting NFL quarterback. He's a number one right. pick overall. Um, but that's good. He's doing what he's supposed to do, which is important, right? Because oftentimes, you know, if you if he was playing poorly against the twos, you have some concerns. Um, he's probably a little checked out, I would think. You know, knowing that. He's getting reps with the twos, knowing that Fitzpatrick has you know the job for the first three weeks. And look, they have a tough first three weeks. They could easily go zero and three. But what if they go two and one or three and zero? Which I again, I think it would be very tough to do. Um, you know, they're nine point dogs in New Orleans in week one. Is they'll be they'll be they'll be uh, be worse than that. Probably. Uh, that's a lot of points to lay in, in an NFL game. Uh, One anyways. thing I did notice last week with them being here, though, uh, and watching those combined practices, man, there's a lot of talent on that offense. Like when you, Mike Evans is, I was sitting there with a former head coach in the NFL, a guy that's been in the league forever, Dave McGinnis, and he called him a full load of wash. Yeah. I mean, that dude is gigantic. So is OJ Howard. Like there are some serious athletes and some just frightening human beings on Tampa Bay and when you watch those guys and how they play and how they sort of approach it and how they're out there practicing you expect that Tampa Bay should be able to win and certainly score more points than they have and then you start to look at the quarterback spot and say okay you guys should probably be getting this done a little bit more than you have well, the defense in Tampa has not been able to rush the passer for, for years now, it feels like. It might have just been even last year. So they've upgraded that, JPP, uh, Jerry McCoy. They got Vita Vea, who's been hurt. So they've, they've had to update their pass rush, which obviously will help their team uh, immensely in general. And look, Mike Evans is a monster on the outside. Um, you know, Deshaun Jackson last year, just he didn't have the season that I thought he would have. I think that people 
thought he would have uh, with with Jameis Winston. And so I think just kind of getting Deshaun Jackson kind of more into the fold will be will be really important for them. They, they got Ryan Jensen to play center, outstanding uh, young center. O.J. Howard, I think, was even last year just not what we thought. And maybe it just was this entire – their entire offense was not what we thought um, – not what we thought – they would be so they, they have a lot of room to improve and obviously Dirk Cutter's got to improve to keep his job um, and uh, it's they need to win early and it's going to be tough man like I said I think it's it ends up being Saints Eagles Steelers the first three games I think that's right um, yes and that's going to be t- even with Jameis Winston that would have been tough but look they have a good defensive coordinator in Mike Smith Dirk Cutter's been an offensive guy's whole career obviously he's done well at certain spots so they have the coaching staff they've upgraded their talent it's a matter of producing on the field and if they go 0 three to start the season i don't think dirt cutter makes it long uh i would suggest that dirt cutter is going to go back to being a really good coordinator when he gets fired at the end of this year i don't think he gets i don't think i think this is it for him i'm not even sure he makes it through the year but i definitely don't think he's going to get he's going to be done after this year he just doesn't strike me he strikes me as a guy that's a little bit above where he should be. He's a really good coordinator. I don't know that he's a really good head coach. And that's okay. Some guys it sure is. Some guys um, are better as coordinators than they are as coaches. We've seen Romeo Cornell. We've seen um, Wade Phillips. Guy, some guys are just Phillips might be the best example of all. I mean, that yeah. dude is an unbelievable defensive coordinator. Everywhere he goes, we've gone through the stats when we've yeah, hosted this show before. I just absolutely extraordinary as a coordinator, not a great head coach. And that's and then, like I said, that's okay to to have that on your resume. And so it might be the thing with Cutter, great, you know, Mike McCoy, another guy, great OC, maybe not the best head coach. It's maybe it's Adam okay. Gase too. It's okay. Um, and so we'll see how this year goes. I think Cutter is probably one of the first coaches fired. Is, is my guess. Yes. I, I agree with you there. Um, feels like tough year for them Jameis Winston obviously having some concerns with with his status this year it's gonna be a tough year for the Bucks. it is it's gonna be a fun year I think for us to watch the NFL though with all of the quarterback talent how great is the quarterback talent around the league and a rookie quarterback discussion in depth all that coming up in hour two of Outkick be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back. Coming to you live from the Geico Outkick studios where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on your car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Clay Travis in Los Angeles back on Monday. I'm in for the remainder of the week. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone, along with eight-year NFL offensive line veteran Jeff Schwartz at G-E-O-F-F. If you want to find him on Twitter, if you want to join the program, 877-99 on Fox. That's 877-996-6369. We talked about Andrew Luck to open the show. He was out there last night, goes 6 of 13. He's 12 of 22 in seven series in the preseason, has yet to throw a deep ball. Doesn't mean he can't. means he hasn't had a chance. Had one opportunity last night on a play call, wasn't able to get rid of it before he was sacked. So we will continue to track Andrew Luck. We also talked about Jacoby Brissett just a little bit and how good a football player he is and whether or not the reports were true about the Seahawks offering a second-round pick in 2020 for him or not, he's obviously somebody that can contribute and somebody that can start, I think, 
at some point and for some teams in this league for sure and a capable backup as well but one larger issue that we did not necessarily talk about but we teased a couple of times was the level of quarterback play across the league we have seen Jeff over you've still got your Tom Brady you've still got your Drew Brees you've still got your Ben Roethlisberger you've still got your Philip Rivers you've still got your Aaron Rodgers you've still got some of these veteran guys as well but when you look at the youth at the quarterback spot and what seems to be the talent on some of these teams whether or not you're talking about Carson Wentz or Deshaun Watson or Jimmy Garoppolo and then of course just the rookies who I don't know about you but one thing that has definitely kept me more tethered to the preseason even when I haven't been able to watch the games paying attention to the stats more than usual is just the quantity of rookie quarterbacks that we have to keep an eye on because you don't usually get five in the first round now you've got guys and you really are curious to see who is as advertised who might be a little bit behind schedule and who looks like they could be ahead of schedule and we saw one last night in Lamar Jackson who as we saw him in the first game where we were on the next day uh, after the Hall of Fame game showed flashes showed why you would jump up and want to take that guy was uh, you know is flushed out of the pocket on that one play was able to get six yards out of it where most guys couldn't have gotten two he is able to make things out of nothing but he's also very much a quarterback in progress and he's just one of the five we've seen ups and downs from Mayfield we've seen that Sam Darnold is kind of what we thought he was I love the guy he was the guy I wanted first if it was me picking and I think he's going to be a star, but he does have some Brett Favre in him. He will throw an interception. Which is he will throw. He will. Yes, it absolutely is. And Josh Rosen, who you said on this show many times as a guest as well as when we've been hosting, throws a fantastic-looking football. And that's kind of what we've seen so far in Arizona. And then there's Josh Allen. And Josh Allen looks like he could be okay. And he may have to be right out of the gate. We could see two starting quarterbacks in New York on week one that are rookies. And Eli Manning is not one of them. Like, Eli's going to play for the Giants, which I don't know was a foregone conclusion all of last year. But now you've potentially got Sam Darnold and Josh Allen starting in the state of New York week one. Well, uh, Josh Allen's going to start. I mean, he's getting to start for the third preseason game, which is the biggest dress rehearsal of them all. You 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 end up um, game planning this week. You play a half at least, maybe a little bit more than a half. And so Josh Allen will get the nod there. But, you know, Josh Allen's played okay. Uh, people want to crown him. And, and I a lot of people get on me because I'm not very high on Josh Allen. And, look, we've seen many times. We saw last year Nathan Peterman was – the talk of the preseason in Buffalo after preseasons. Let's just wait till the regular season, but he will start. I'm excited to watch him play uh, Ravens week one. That's going to be a tough defense to go against. We look with the Jets and Sam Darnold. He started game two. I believe he'll start game three. He'll start the season as the quarterback for the New York Jets. Josh McCown will probably be the backup. I, I assume, and I'll assume Teddy Bridgewater is getting traded because you don't need to keep two backups and, and Bridgewater's played well enough where I think a team, especially a team with lacking quarterback depth, will want to maybe pull the trigger on trading for, for Teddy Bridgewater. And game four for him will be pretty important. He'll play a lot in game four, I would imagine. Um, swinging around, you know, the Browns, to me, they just, they don't seem competent a lot of times. Um, well, Hard Knocks isn't making them seem more competent. Correct. Either. And that's, and, and that's you know, Hard Knocks, 
most often hard knocks paints your organization in a great light. That's kind of the point of it, right? It's it is a feel good documentary. You start rooting for um, them. You start rooting for these guys right. who otherwise you wouldn't have either known nor cared about. Like Hugh Jackson, I think we all know Hugh Jackson's a good guy, but Hugh Jackson was sort of the star of the Bengals hard knocks years ago. Right. And now you see him and you see sort of things in his personal life, tragedy that hit him, and you see kind of how he operates right. and how he tries to deal with people. And you're like, I like Hugh Jackson. I hope Hugh Jackson wins football games, even though that dude's won one game in two seasons at the helm in Cleveland. Right, but look, you have to, and look, the personal things are obviously tragic, and I think we we understand that. What was really telling is, you know, he 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 tells the staff that his mom passed away, and then he's like goes right back two seconds later to watching film. Absolutely, and it's just the way these guys are wired, and I, this is why we hear all the time, and you know, they want their players to be just as wired into football as they are, because coaches and front office you know, personnel, this is it's all they know, man. It's football, so. I do. I don't understand. Well, I do understand. I think that's the wrong way to do it. Giving Baker Mayfield no reps of the ones makes no sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not doing it for a couple of reasons. One is because I. I think they want. They, they don't want Baker Mayfield to win the job at a camp because if he struggles the first couple of weeks, they can't bench him. You know, it just you. You can't do it. You really can't do it. Once you put um, him out there, it's ride or die time. Right, and. Remember, they need they Hugh needs wins now to keep his job, and Tyrod Taylor probably provides him the best opportunity to win now as opposed to Baker Mayfield. And so, while that might stunt the growth of Baker Mayfield, let's say it allows the opportunity for Tyrod to win, and that keeps Hugh Jackson's job a little bit longer. However, I, I just think they they can't ride with with Tyrod all all season long. This is not an Alex Smith, Pat Mahomes, or a Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, which people want to to make the comparison because of John Dorsey was in in Green Bay and then he was in Kansas City. Now he wasn't there all all year last year. Those those quarterbacks were on contending teams. You know, the Chiefs won the division last year with Alex Smith. That's why Pat Mahomes wasn't playing. Now they they you know the Browns are not contending. Um, and Baker Mayfield is the future of your franchise, so I don't I don't understand why you can't give him a couple reps with the ones during during training camp during a game to see what he has. You're not hurting Tyrod's feelings. Was it Tyrod? Tyrod, right? Tyrod. I've um, seen it both ways now. I've seen this story written both ways that it's either Tyrod or actually it's Tyrod or actually it's Tyrod. This is not a Terrell Owens situation. This is not a Marcus Mariota situation where you hear it both ways. I've called him Tyrod since he was at Virginia Tech. Unless right. I see an interview where he specifically tells me to call him Tyrod, he is Tyrod Taylor. And what's and what's what's funny is um, you know, he's been at least his ninth year, I think, now. He's never corrected anyone on how to say his name, so that's why I think it's still Tyrod. This is an offensive yes. lineman who said it was Tyrod. Um, so I, 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 I've been tweeting his name as Tyrod just kind of to poke fun at the situation because I think, like you, I think it's it, it's probably Tyrod. Um, so every coach has been wrong, right? Every person who's ever interviewed him has been wrong. I just, you know, of course, I think he would correct someone eventually if, if someone had got his name wrong. So was it again, Clowney I think it's a that tried this too? What? Was it Jadevian Clowney that also tried this where all of a sudden his name wasn't what you thought it was? The first year he was in the NFL, and he changed uh, it. And I think the um, NBA, poor Tom Thibodeau, uh, no one understands the H is actually supposed to be pronounced. It's not Tom Thibodeau. Yet 99% of the time when you hear anyone say it, they say it wrong. The name is Thibodeau. 
Yeah. It's tough. Um, so I think Clowney was the one though. Well, like I mean, even like Mike Stanton went to G. Like he wanted his full name yeah. used eventually. Right. Guys, just I don't. Know. I think Ron. By the way, I think Meta World Peace is back to run our test now. Oh um, really, Danny? I I saw, Danny, are you there? I think I saw that. This should have led the show. Like, I, I didn't realize this. I didn't realize he was back to being Ron Artest. To me, he was always Ron Artest. Okay. I did not realize that. Uh, I mean, I never associated him as Meta World Peace. I'm sorry. I couldn't I, do I think it. I, I watched Ron Artest for too long. With Michael Rapport, and he mentioned that he's back to being Ron Artest. Are we right, Danny? Danny yeah. Tony? He'll always be World Peace to me. Because he hit that. That's he hit not the three true, to, Danny. To, you <laughs> don't, why is that because he was World Peace when he was in a Lakers uniform? Uh, no, he just, he's a goofball kind of guy, so. That's true. He, I don't see him as Ron anymore. I see him as world. His mom called him um, Ron. I'm going to call him Ron. That's the Charles Barkley line. I'm sticking with that. Yeah, but his he, grandmama calls him world, so. He, he had the, really? the, one of the, one of the biggest, one of the biggest, like, no, 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 yes shots of all time in NBA history. I mean, like, he, that shot to, to win Game seven of the NBA Finals yes. was 09. You're like, no, no, no. Oh yeah, he made. It. Like you just, you didn't <laughs> think, like you just didn't think he would, he would make that shot. And it was a great shot. Obviously, if you're a Lakers fan, if you're a Celtics fan, I'm sorry. Um, and it, it, it's just one of those. I'll never forget it. Like the all, you know, like when Robert Ory raises up to take a three in in the playoffs, you're like, okay. He's going to make this shot. And run our test. You're like, no, please don't shoot it. And it went in. So we now I have forgot. a run our test is back. I forgot he actually won a ring there. Two. I had totally forgotten that. Yeah, he that's right. Two. Like, I totally forgot that he actually won there. Like, I always think, when I think of Ron Artest, I think, him with, think of him with the Rockets. Well, that wait, one Rockets? really good Rockets team that had, like, Patrick Beverly and all these irritants on it. And, I mean, I remember that series with the Lakers. Danny, you remember this. The Lakers-Rockets series where Artest was in what? Houston. That series was epic. Yeah. That was a tremendously physical series that I think it went 7-2. It was a fantastic basketball yeah, that did, series. Yeah, that did go 7. But yeah, I forgot he won rings. And I did forget about that shot until you just said it, but now I remember it. It, it is definitely one of those all-time, like, this is the worst thing I've ever... Okay, he made it. Fantastic. Glad he shot that. Yeah, and Could then imagine- Roberto just reminded me that he auctioned off his championship ring. To help he did. mental health awareness. Oh, well, no, that's really good. Is that re- recent he did that? No. Mental that health was, is in the news now, so I was yeah, just wondering no, no, if that, that was, was back, like in that, response to. Yeah, that was back you know, in the Chris day. Because he's, he's always been a little crazy, so that was back when it happened. Can you imagine watching an NBA Finals game now that was 83 to 79? That was 10 years ago. That, that was the final score of a game seven of NBA Finals, 83 Dude, to 79. Remember those like barn burners between the Pistons and the Spurs? In like 2004. 73 like, to, to 68 final of a score dude, of a game. I, w- I mean, I would rather like have my eyes poked out than watch that. Like, you can pull that off in football. Like, I love the LSU-Alabama, you know, low scoring. Every once in a while. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and then, of course, you turn to the other channel and you need to get the balance. So you go watch like Oklahoma and Oklahoma State last year where it's 61-58 or whatever it turned out to be you kind of you kind of need a little bit of both but nba games that are played in the 70s like if that happens i think that the coach and all of the starting five on both teams should probably be suspended by the league for a couple of weeks like you can't watch the golden state warriors and then go and think about let's go watch the big shot pistons led by ben wallace and chauncey billups where it's first to 65 wins like you can't you can't do that 
And, you know, that that was one of the most um, unique teams to win a championship, too. Just as far as we, we see a lot of NBA champions have to have one or two Hall of Famers on there. And I'm not sure that they have a – do they have a Hall of Famer on that team? From the Pistons team? The 4 mm, Pistons team. Did they have Rip Hamilton on that team? I, I don't think yes. he's necessarily a Hall of Famer either. It was Chauncey like, Billups, they, they had Rip Hamilton, Rasheed Wallace, and Ben Wallace were the four Rasheed could maybe. Rasheed's probably the closest one. I would think, but I, that was just mainly a great system and a great collection of talent that played together as a team and had to play together as a team, and they were all the guys that did all the extra stuff. Right. Nobody was a superstar, but nobody wanted to play like a superstar. They all did all the dirty work. Everybody did, and it, it ended up paying off for them. It was still incredibly boring basketball. What's not boring? Alex Marvez. He joins us next to talk about the NFL here on OutKick. Welcome back to the Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people pay for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. This is the Outkick Coverage Radio Program Tuesday edition. Clay Travis in Los Angeles doing some cool stuff we hopefully will be able to inform you about, at least in some capacity, before the end of the week. Jeff Schwartz is with me. He's down in Charlotte, North Carolina. I am Jason Martin, used to be the executive producer of this fine program. We welcome in one of the guests that we've had since very, very early in the history of this show, our good friend Alex Marvez, who covers the NFL very, very well. Alex, how are you today? I'm doing great. And, you know, you're, you're putting tears in my eyes here to see the ascension of Jason Martin. You know, to see your journey continue and all the incredible things you continue to do in both your professional and personal life, you make me proud to be your friend. I appreciate that, Alex. I really do. Um, Roberto, Andrew play the kiss-up sound effect right now. Andrew, Andrew Luck. Now I deal with Luck, Jason's uh, big head all week. Yeah. Oh, it's Mitch, it's, it's, there it is. It's, it's, wait, are you you're working with Mitch's brother again? Is that the oh, yeah, I'm working I'm with Mitch's brother. Doing this today? I like it. I'm working with the guy who had a cup of coffee for the uh, Detroit Lions before they sent him away <laughs> like during it. camp. By the, by the way, real quick on that, you have never seen Jeff Schwartz more tired in your entire life than when I interviewed him up at Lions camp when he was still playing. It's it, serious, like I said. It was like day 18 of camp or something. It, it, like I'm telling you, he's like wearing the, the sweatsuit, the, the lion sweatsuit, but it really looks like giant pajamas on him. You know, giant gray pajamas. And, and you, you were just, he was so beat up. And Jeff, you do it too, brother. It was, was like. Oh, was my last year I was just trying to get, I was trying to do the veteran, like get to week one and get my contract guaranteed. <laughs> right. And hopefully be a backup and just like do nothing all year. I, that year too. My wife wasn't in Detroit for training camp, so I grew my beard out and my hair just was to like just I looked like a bum. It was you're exactly right. I was just trying to do the veteran minimum for a year and call it a career. Um, but hey, didn't, now I'm on the radio with Jason Martin talking to you. So what could be better? It's exactly right about that. So Andrew Luck played football last night. He's played football now in two games, two fake games. Uh, has not thrown a deep ball yet, but. Alex is somebody that loves the NFL as much as you do. We basically said in the first hour, the league's better with Andrew Luck playing in it, and it's just nice to see that guy back out on the field. He's a great guy, okay? But you know what that also means? He gets a pass from the media, (laughs) by and large. He really does. I mean, when you look at what Andrew Luck has done on the field, okay? And listen, I get it, the ascension of where he was able to help take this Colts team, but you you have to realize in this past 24 games, and I'm talking playoffs and regular season, 27 interceptions, six fumbles. That's 33 turnovers in 24 games. Okay, the, the analytics show that any time that you have that your opponent ends up getting more interceptions in a game than you, 
then they usually win 80% of those games. I, I want to mm. take this one step further. Andrew Luck against the New England Patriots, all time. Okay, this is from 2012 to 2015. 0-5, 52.6 completion percentage. He has 10 interceptions, one fumble, nine touchdowns. Now, all this being said, it's great that Andrew Luck is back, but I think we like the concept of Andrew Luck rather than the reality of Andrew Luck, which is that Andrew is a pretty darn good quarterback. He says all the right things. He smiles. He's a nice guy. But what are we really seeing here as far as upside? This was a guy drafted, supposed to be the, the, the quarterback prodigy that, you know, ever since Peyton Manning that the NFL has lacked. He's come in and he's done well. But as of late, I'm just wondering what I think happened. I think his development got tempered. I really do. And I, think, I blame the Colts organization for that. You know, working with Bruce Arians the first year was great. Then suddenly you, you start getting Pep Hamilton. You start getting Rob Chudzinski. You start getting Brian Schottenheimer. You get these guys that, that are just sort of average coordinators at best. And Andrew Luck's career goes down. I understand the supporting cast, the situation with running backs, receivers, whatever, offensive line, I get it. But to me, I'm happy that Andrew Luck is back, but I don't consider him an elite quarterback. I think he can get there with Frank Reich, but I'm not there on this. All right, so elite. Where do you place him? Somewhere in the 10 to 15 range, probably? 15, 15, and maybe even a little bit on on the lower end of that. You know, I mean, he's he's good. And listen, I think that the hiring of Frank Reich is going to be tremendous. And you know, look, could it, when he worked, if he would have worked with Josh McDaniels, would we see Andrew Luck reach heights that you know he has never hit before? We'll never know, right? Because Josh ain't coaching the Indianapolis Colts at this point, and I don't see these two guys working together again. But at least Frank Reich has been there and done that as a quarterback. He comes in with a newer type of offensive system that's nouveau for today's NFL. People still haven't figured out the RPOs and some of the tricky things that they've been doing. You know, at the Philadelphia Eagles that he helped with Doug Peters and you know put in to help the Eagles win that Super Bowl title but yeah he, he's he's around there I, I'd love to see him get back I'd love to see him elevate his game but you know what disturbed me last night when that, that interception that he threw near the goal line there was no reason for him to throw that football absolutely zero it was just a terrible decision a, ter- a terrible pass but an even worse decision and you know listen you're sixth seventh year in the league and I get it you're trying to shake off rust and you're playing at home for the first time in forever but it was just an awful decision and that's what worries me about Andrew Luck it's all of these turnovers it has to stop if he is ever going to get to be the type of great quarterback that that Andrew Luck has been projected to be so staying with that position one thing that's been fun this preseason maybe more so than years past is having a fleet of rookie quarterbacks that you're really curious to see how they look and it looks like a lot of the Maliks or sort of as advertised. I loved Sam Darnold in college. I thought he was the best. He was the guy I would have taken had I been number one. But you know that you're going to get some risky throws from him the same way you've got him from Andrew Luck at Stanford, and then it actually continued into the NFL, which is what we've just been talking about for the last five minutes. Rosen throws a good ball. Mayfield looks like he could make a lot of plays, and then sometimes it looks like his size could hamper him, and sometimes he's going to make mistakes also. Lamar Jackson, we saw flashes of brilliance in terms of his athleticism, getting six yards, being flushed out of the pocket when nobody else would have been able to do that. And then there's Josh Allen. And Josh Allen's going to probably start week one now, thanks to situations in Buffalo. And actually watching him in this last preseason game, is it possible? I'm not surprised to find this out. But he's better than all the people that buried him before he was drafted. Like, he doesn't look like a bust to me. 
right now. Right, right. And you, well, I mean, you know, or his mechanics going to hold up? That's a lot of what it is with the quarterbacks, and they work with him on his footwork. And they, you know, you could say, well, why was he a fifty-eight percent completion percentage passer at Wyoming? Was it the people that he was throwing to? He says that it was a technical flaw that he worked on with his quarterbacks coach during the off season to correct. And you know, before the draft, and so far so good with that. And hopefully that continues. It's all his footwork. You know, where you got to have your feet going in the right direction to be able to deliver the football properly. We can make, I mean, his arm talent is so great. I mean, you know, listen, we see Patrick Mahomes throw the football 69 yards in the air, and you know, you you know what I mean? But this kid can wing it as well. I mean, so that was neat. What I loved about the other night, too, was all the different situations that he got put in. He got put in goal line. He got put in two-minute, you know, and, and also had to face adversity after getting sacked a couple times early on. He kept his composure. You know, he started off so amped up, man. He, was, he threw the football so hard on his first pass, nobody was going to catch that ball. But he calmed down after taking a couple hits, and I give him a lot of credit for that. You listen, the, the problem you have with guys like Darnold right now and Josh Allen, a lot of it is a supporting cast. You know, who's playing around them? You know, I mean, at least Josh Rosen would have Larry Fitzgerald at his disposal, right, and David Johnson in the backfield. Mm-hmm. At Buffalo, the receiver position is awful. The Jets, they have the worst tight end situation in football. Pedestrian wide receivers, a very shaky offensive line. That's one of those things you have to ask yourself as a franchise. Do we throw this kid to the Wolves when we realize they may not have all the pieces around them for early success? But in the case of Buffalo, Josh Allen has proven himself. And, you know, by the way, too, now we know why no one was going after A.J. McCarron either. You know, remember, his name's always come up. Oh, you know, bench Andy Dalton, or oh, the Browns should have traded for this guy. Could you imagine if they gave up more picks for him? I mean, he just is hes a pedestrian quarterback in the NFL. It's one of the good things about Hugh Jackson having that personnel, not having a lot of say, is to avoid mistakes like that. Well, I'm glad you brought up the Browns because I was going there next. And, and maybe, you know, Saucy should get some credit for tearing up that trade before it was able to, to go through. <laughs> facts, Look, facts. I, I, I just... I think it's malpractice to not give Baker Mayfield reps with the ones at all during training camp. It makes no sense to me. You don't really know what he has unless you put him with the ones. Why are the Browns um, not allowing themselves to just see their number one pick play with the guys he might end up playing with by week five? Well, that's a great question. And here's pos- let me throw this possibility by you, right? You're Hugh Jackson, and you're 1-32. in You're 1-31 in, in your past 32 games. You realize that you probably have a one-year pass, and you need to win some games. You need to say, we've made progress this year. We're moving ahead. Early on in the season, playing Baker Mayfield, you're probably going to start off 0-4, 0-5. You know, maybe you beat the Jets in Week 3 on Thursday Night Football, and I know I've, I know I've got them circled on my calendar. Ugh. But the point is that you know, maybe you get that win, but again, you, the losing comes in, and it puts you on shaky ground. I think that the reason that they're, that they're stymieing Baker Mayfield a bit is to give Tyrod, to, you know, or Tyrod, the, the, the chance to play early on and, and keep him as your starting quarterback, keep him solidified and start winning some games, start changing the culture, get people to buy into it what you're doing, you're not going to get that with Baker. I just don't think Baker can come in immediately and have success. So, they, you know, and, and look, they, get, they got Drew Stanton in there, too, as someone they may turn to before Baker Mayfield. But I'm with you. I'd love to see Baker get some reps with the one this, the ones this upcoming week. But I think that it's really because they're convinced that Terod Taylor gives them a chance to win early, get some things turned around so players continue to buy into what the, the assistant coaches are doing. And, and listen, it helps Hugh Jackson save his bacon, potentially winning a couple games. Because again, a pivotal year for him in his in his career in Cleveland. What's winning? What's quarterback? winning? What's oh. Jeff? Sorry, just before you move on, what is winning early in terms of Cleveland? Like Tyrod Taylor, we know what he can do in terms of 
He can win you seven, eight games. He can make sure you're not at the top of the NFL draft, basically. But what exactly is winning in Cleveland? Is that winning four games? Is that winning five games? Like, what does Tyrod Taylor win you? And how much should you expect if you're a Brett? Like, should that keep you Jackson's job because he's got a veteran quarterback that's capable of winning four or five games and still keeping you nowhere near where you need to be? See, I'm not as down on Tarot. I really am not. He was a playoff quarterback last year. You know, he was. I mean, you know what I mean? He was he was nine and six as a starter. I mean, and you know, the the one game that he didn't play was because of Sean McDermott uh, going with Nate Peterman in one of the worst coaching moves you could possibly imagine. And Peterman throws five interceptions in the first half against the Chargers, and then goes back into mothballs. I mean, I, I think Tarot, what he does, he doesn't turn the football over, and he's never had a, a cast like this that he has right now. Uh, with the Cleveland Browns. And I, that's scary to say, right? But, I mean, Jarvis Landry is legit. Josh Gordon, once he's out there on a field, if he just stays sober and he stays and he's in an okay place with his mental health, then, I mean, you're talking an elite-level wide receiver right there. Those running backs out of the backfield, the combination you have, Chubb, Duke Johnson, I mean, Carlos Hyde, and an offensive line that makes a whole lot of coin and has actually survived the loss of Mitch Schwartz at this point, I, I think this team, he's got some weapons to work with, David and Joku. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's you know, promising young guy as long as he sticks on the jugs machine. I guess my point is that Tarod's never had a group of guys like this around him. Just think of him like this. He's Alex Smith. It's really what he is. John Dorsey got it. He's Alex Smith. He's not going to turn the football over, and your team, if he doesn't doesn't turn the ball over, you're going to have a chance to win a bunch more games than what you have if you have Baker Mayfield playing, which is probably two turnovers a game. Let's go with the quarterback position. Outside of the rookies, it feels like the biggest story is Teddy Bridgewater. He seems finally healthy. He's playing really well. To me, it feels like a great trade piece for someone who needs a reliable backup, maybe even someone who needs a, a starter. Where, where's his market at as we head into the, the back end of the preseason? It's really slim right now. And, and you know, it's, it's, so we look at the teams that have bad quarterback situations, right? The Denver Broncos, I don't, you know, they just invested in Case Keenum. I don't think they're going to send a draft pick for Teddy Bridgewater. I think, if anything, they would probably hope that a Matt McGloin gets way by Kansas City and you can bring Bill Musgrave, Grave can bring him in because he knows the offense from his time with the Raiders. I don't, I don't think anyone's trading for a backup. Does that make sense? Like, if there's an injury, yeah, maybe a team will make a move with their starter. You see what I'm saying? That yeah. if their starter gets hurt. But I think for right now, Teddy's sort of in limbo. And, you, you know, you play this morbid game where you just see, okay, who's hurt? And if we lose our quarterback, okay, do we call the Eagles on Nick Foles? Do we call the Jets on Teddy Bridgewater? And, and, and go from there. It's, listen, it's great that he's back. And this is someone, too, who may have some appeal in 2019 as a free agent. Uh, you know, if he sticks with the Jets all season, even if he doesn't play a heck of a lot, people have seen what he's done this preseason and say, man, Teddy Bridgewater, this is a guy who can compete for a starting job for our spot. Even if it's considered a potential bridge quarterback, if it's a team drafting a guy and they want to you know, make sure that there's someone ahead of him that's a veteran, maybe that's it. But it, it's just been great for a guy who almost had his leg amputated, and I'm not joking here. I mean, he was that yeah, he was did. how bad his knee was. To see him back on the field has been absolutely awesome. Well, the story that's dominating most of the preseason, and I might be the only person who's not freaking out about this, is the new helmet rule. We've seen it applied very liberally, which is not surprising for the preseason, considering this is what happens with every new rule of emphasis. They apply it liberally in the preseason. We already see a meeting is set up on Wednesday within the NFL to discuss how they're applying this rule, and they might make some changes uh, to it, which is what I expected to happen all along. Where do you sit on kind of the, the freak out about the new helmet rule? 
Well, because if, if these things are called this way, it, it's, you know, a lot of fans are, you know, because I don't think every NFL fan is paying attention right now. You know what I mean? Like mainstream fans, yeah, they'll, they'll tune in for a few minutes of preseason, but they're not watching in the third and fourth quarters when, when this thing's getting called. You know what I mean? It's, it's that type of deal where I think as time goes on, a couple things are going to happen. I think, like you say, there'll be a couple tweaks to what this is, and this is a teaching time. We don't have developmental football. The NFL does, you know, they shelved NFL Europe a decade ago. This is the type of thing that you would have put in during a developmental league and had some of the officials work on it potentially to see, okay, this is how we do it for real. But because the NFL doesn't have that, they've got to use the preseason. This is, this is the NFL's Petri dish, so to speak, right, uh, to, to experiment with the rules and things like that. So, you know, what they'll do is it's a teaching tool not only for players, some of whom are, you know, violating the spirit of the rule or violating the rule in general by leading with their helmets. Uh, and, of course, all this stems from Ryan Chazier. We, we realize this, that if it weren't for Ryan Chazier nearly killing himself out there on a football field last year, which is really, you know, bad optics for the league when people get paralyzed on the field or potentially die, they knew that they wanted to make a change safety-wise. So, uh, you know, and of course the publicity that comes with concussions and, and trying to convince youngsters that football right. is safe to play, thing, all these things that go into this type of decision. So I think it will continue to get tweaked. It's not only a teaching tool for the players, though, for the officials as well. And listen, right now, throw flags, ask questions later, they review it. They're going to tell some of these officials, hey, this isn't a foul, or you can, you can let that one slide, that type of thing. And then when we get to the regular season, there might be a couple bumps early on. I'm just hoping by the end of the year we're not having critical games decided by this type of call. Well, I, th- I think to your point about you know the reaction from Ryan Shazier, I mean, a, a report came out yesterday that 10,000 fewer youths are playing football in Southern California the last two years. I mean, that's, that's part of this is you have to um, – you need the young players and, and the moms yeah. to want their kids to play football. And if they think the sport is going to harm their, their sons, they're not going to let them play. And I, and I think that people don't understand that that's kind of part of this new rule. And that's why they're calling it so strictly to start out is to give it a heads up guys. We're serious about this rule. And I think half the time though, it feels like, and we saw last night, you know, Colts player, speared a guy in the back of the head and another guy like went low and, and speared a guy like it's it's being applied I think most of the time how they want it to be applied exactly I think you're absolutely right about that and you know the the NFL also too liability okay we're talking about are these current generations of players are they going to say well the NFL didn't do enough to protect us so I'm going to file a lawsuit against you and you know the the league is still supposed to be paying out more than a billion dollars in settlements uh, to players that have, have suffered from brain trauma that wasn't properly diagnosed back you know decades earlier or even you know not even all that long ago. So right, right. It, right. So this is the, this is really for the sport's survival as much as anything. And the league thinks that ultimately players will learn, they will re-educate themselves toward tackling. And I will say this: remember how it was about what eight nine years ago when they really started to legislate against those helmet hits to the, you know upper hits to the upper body. We've really seen a reduction in those, but they want to take it one step further now. Let's see how this goes this season. I'm just hoping for safer players. I don't like talking to guys 15, 20 years from now you know, that, that don't remember what they did, if you know what I'm saying, and we've seen too much of that in this league. It's a, for player safety, and I know people are outraged, but you know, again, they, they consider these guys fungible. You know, that's why when you hear fans booing like they did last night in Indianapolis every time the helmet rule was called, these are human beings on the field, and sometimes we have a tendency to forget about that. They have families. They want to live healthy lives once they're done playing let's put them in the best position to accomplish those things amen to that and well said alex always great to have you with us we will talk to you next week and it's good i'm glad i'm in so i could actually say hello to you this week awesome stuff thank you gentlemen be good take care that's alex marvez extremely well said there
at the end, we should care about these guys as more than just guys wearing a uniform with numbers. Let's bring in Eddie Garcia real quickly before we get to break. Find out what's latest in the world of sports. Let's give you a Geico scoreboard from baseball where the Cardinals beat the Dodgers 5-3. to L.A. closer Kenley Jansen just came off the DL from a heart issue, and the first two batters he faced hit back-to-back home runs in the ninth. He took the loss. St. Louis now tied with Colorado and Philadelphia for a wild-card spot in the National League. L.A.'s two games out of the wild-card. A's over the Rangers 9-0. Oakland moves to a tie with Houston for the AL West lead and also for that second wildcard spot in the American League. Astros lost to the Mariners 7-3. Seattle is 3.5 out in the AL West and for a wildcard spot in the American League. Braves over the Pirates 1-0. Atlanta now has a one-game lead on Philadelphia in the NL East. Brewers over the Reds 5-2. Milwaukee has the top wildcard spot in the National League. They're also three back in the NL Central. And it was a battle of division leaders between the Red Sox and the Indians that brings us to our Geico play of the day. Swung on, he hit high and hit deep to right field. This ball is going gone to the bullpen how about greg allen a two-run bomb to the indians bullpen and right and the indians lead it five to three WTAM Indians Radio on the call with our Geico Play of the Day. Indians go on for the 5-4 win over the Red Sox. NFL preseason Ravens beat the Colts 20-19. Andrew Luck for Indianapolis was 6-13 passing for 50 yards, no touchdowns, and one interception. This report brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Back to Jason Martin and Jeff Schwartz in the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Thank you, Eddie. Best at what he does. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Red Sox are 88 and 38. They've lost two in a row, but they're 88 and 38. Like I continue to look at that, and it absolutely boggles my mind. We'll talk more about the helmet rule on the other side. 877-99 on Fox. 877-996-6369 if you have thoughts. This is OutKick on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. OutKick, the coverage radio program, Tuesday edition. Across the airways of Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. We are inside the Geico OutKick studios. Everybody's got a to-do list. You want to drop off your dry cleaning. you got to pick up some milk. But here's an idea. How about you add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance to that list? Good thing is you don't even have to drop off or pick up anything this time. All you have to do, go to the website. It's geico.com. 15 minutes later, you could be saving 15% or more on your car insurance. Extra money in your pocket just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. I'm Jason Martin in with Jeff Schwartz, Clay Travis in Los Angeles. He'll be back on Monday. Our thanks to Alex Marvez, wide-ranging discussion, a good reason to subscribe to the Outkick the Coverage podcast through whatever it is that you use to consume your podcasts or consume radio programs when you are away from the radio and unable to listen live. Go to iTunes, go to Google Play, go to Stitcher, go to Spotify, wherever it is, and go ahead and subscribe to Outkick the Coverage. Also, Outkick the Show, which is Clay's Periscope and Facebook that he does every afternoon around 3 Eastern time. All of that right there for you free the numbers are through the roof every time we see the subscriber numbers for this brand they're just absolutely outrageous apparently especially in indianapolis huge fans of outkick which is why we talked a lot of andrew luck uh in that uh first segment of the show we'll probably talk more about 12 before we're done today but one of the things we discussed there at the end of the segment Jeff, was the helmet rule, how it's been applied. You and I kind of agree. We feel like there is going to be, an, uh, be, there's going to be a correction here. Yes. Um, but right now, they are trying to get everybody under the culture that this is serious 
and they're trying to kind of work their way into it. And they will see where the mistakes are made or where it's actually harming the game, and you feel like the pendulum will swing in the opposite direction. You and I agreed when we hosted a couple of weeks ago about this and also that the so-called Aaron Rodgers rule potentially is more bothersome than this rule long-term. Well, the Aaron Rodgers rule will not be called as often, um, so it probably won't be as as big of a deal as this one will be. So here's the way I look at this. A couple years ago, it was either 15 or 16 in the preseason. They decided hands to the face was going to be a huge emphasis in the NFL. Um, And in the trenches, obviously, hands to the face happen often. And they, they can be incidental. Or they can be on purpose. I mean, I'm not going to lie that I've, I've done it before, but when I came in the league, you allowed to hit someone in the helmet. Um, it's a good way to stun a defensive lineman, and there's, there's positives to, to doing that. So they wanted out of the game. No more touching of the helmet whatsoever. And the first preseason game, my brother got two or three of these called in the first two drives. He was livid, of course, right? So the guy's bull rushing him. He goes to punch him, and his hand just raises up eventually, hits him in the helmet, um, and they call the penalty. Incidental, not trying to hit someone in the helmet, not trying to harm them, not trying to blow to the head, any of this stuff. Not trying to do any of that stuff. And they flagged five to seven times a game in the preseason. They flagged an offense or defensive lineman for using their hands illegally to someone's head, and everyone freaked out about it, You know, not to the extent of this helmet rule because – it's hard to really notice that that's what's happening. And then the regular season started, and they stopped calling them. This happens all the time with new rules. They overcall them in the preseason to make a point of emphasis. Look, guys, stop leading with your helmet. I think it's easy to tell, in my opinion, and maybe it is, maybe I'm, I'm in the minority, it's easy to tell the hit that they're trying to take away. It's easy to see that. Right? Guy is loads up. He springs forward and leads with his helmet. There were twice last night. There were calls that were as easy as can be. That's what they want out of the game. Obviously, the other ones are happening at full speed where a guy looks like he's hitting someone in the helmet but with the shoulder or or guys making a good form tackle as a wide receiver or, or ball carrier lowers himself. Those are the ones that are going to be tough. Uh, and those are the ones you have to take out of calling. And that's why I think that they're, they're having a meeting Wednesday about this in, uh, in, the, in the NFL League office. I think they will start adjusting this rule, seeing the backlash from players. I'm sure that the players might have called uh, people higher ups in, in, the, in the NFL front office or called their PA reps and have tried to get this rule changed a little bit. I think they will change the rule. It will evolve. And by the time the regular season starts, these will still be called and it might cost the team a game. I don't know. I'm fairly certain it, it probably will at some point. Um, but this is the NFL that we're in. And I think that the overreaction is not surprising for Twitter um, and social media. But let's just like take a deep breath. Let's wait and see how it's called week one. Falcons, Eagles, Thursday night. Let's see how it's called there. Let's see how it's called two days later. Like let's let's calm down a little bit and see how it's enforced in the regular season. Yeah, you know, I think that, and I know we only have about a half minute left, and we may carry this over into the uh, third hour. Eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox. If you're on hold, stay there. We'll get to you. But I feel like it's hard to legislate intent real time. But as soon as you look at a replay, I think you can tell what the intent was. On the tackle, you can tell if it was a timing issue or if the receiver moved in a way that the defender wasn't expecting, or if, as you said, he loaded up and he was trying to knock somebody loopy. So I do think that instant replay will help in this situation. I don't even think week one is necessarily the litmus test. I know you'd want it to be week one, but I think more like week three or four, we will know whether or not they've made the corrections that they need to make. We'll continue to talk about this and plenty more. Another hour coming up here on Outkick on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. 
Hour number three on a Tuesday, coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you, guess what, 15% or more on your car insurance. Just visit that website, geico.com. You can get yourself a free rate quote while you're there. I am Jason Martin, former executive producer of this fine program. Blessed to have that opportunity and this opportunity to fill in for Clay Travis as he is in Los Angeles. He'll be back on Monday doing some really cool stuff while he's out there. Uh, Talked to him last night on the phone. Hopefully we'll be able to tell you some of that stuff before the end of this week i'm joined by eight year nfl offensive line veteran jeff schwartz you can follow him on twitter at g-e-o-f-f schwartz i would tell you if you follow him do not challenge him on offensive line play that's absolutely correct we can have discussion on a bunch of other stuff and i have discussions constantly with with people about about other subjects but it's not really here's the thing about what what happened this weekend so it wasn't like they were debating with me like hey this is what i think what happened they're like no you're wrong this is this is not what happened i'm like i i told you what happened it's not it wasn't like my opinion on what it's exactly what happened and people just like couldn't grasp their heads around so yes it, offensive line play normally and there's a couple of people that i will that i trust their opinion on so if they tell me i'm wrong then i'm wrong and one of them is my brother who will tell me i'm wrong often on things mm-hmm. um but um yeah i'm not i'm not is not happening the debate is being shut down we are not embracing debate on offensive line play on my twitter feed yeah you know i would ask you questions about it or things like that but one of the more incomprehensible segments that we've done on this show together was where i asked you to try and explain offensive line play because of how (laughs) just complex and intricate it is on in theory i thought that was going to be great radio and then it was like seven minutes of advanced physics because of how unique that position is the language and all the many blocking schemes and just all of that kind of stuff so after that segment I realized that my years of playing Madden and creating space for my running back did not necessarily <laughs> make me an expert in offensive line play. And what's interesting is, and this is the, the thing that I always have to um, work with when I write write and talk about Like I'm writing a piece right now for SB Nation. It'll be up, I think, next week about red zone offense. Like, what what is red zone offense? So we know red zone is... Hopefully it's between the 20 and the goal line, right? It's called the red zone. Some teams call it the green zone. Um, the, uh, the the high red zone is like 30 to 21. So you can have kind of – you break – when you are game planning, talking about a game plan, you break the field up. So you have backed up situation from the 10, the negative 10 to – to the one yard line, so you have different play calls to get you a first down. Your goal when it's backed up to get one first down. You have then the open field from 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 the ten to about the thirty. So from your minus ten to your plus thirty um, is a, is the open field. So you have down distance for for those regular down distance. You have third down calls obviously, and then you get into set, you know the the thirty to the twenty one, the red zone, the twenty to the goal line. You have different plays from the ten to the you know the plus ten to the plus one. So. All these different situations, I need to write about the red zone. It's like, how do I make it so we can all digest what I'm saying, but also give you guys good information so you can understand how teams are going to call plays in the red zone? Let's talk about the offensive line as it relates to the game that we saw last night. Andrew Luck on the field, seven of, or pardon me, six of 13, 50 right. yards, an interception, sacked twice in his 23 plays. 12 of 22 overall in seven series during the preseason for Andrew Luck, 114 yards. We have not seen him throw a deep ball. There was one that was called last night, but he wasn't able to release it before he got sacked. The offensive line was woeful 
for a while because of the yeah. way that drafting was just mishandled early in Andrew Luck's career. It led to him being sacked and pressured constantly. But last night, Jeff, he was pressured 7 to 15 times when he dropped back. He was 1 of 5 on those plays and threw that really bad interception down by the goal line. They are better. That's what you said kind of off the start is there is more talent there. They are trying to address the position. They still seem like they're behind the eight ball, and that's not great for Colts fans because Andrew Luck does not need to be getting hit very much. No, and look, they drafted Quinn Nelson to play left guard, who who I absolutely adore. I mean, if you're going to follow one offensive lineman, he is he's amazing. He's really good. He's very physical. But you know, he has, he's going to have his issues at times with with speed. I, there were last night there were some issues with line games, and so a line game is when there's a, a stunt on the defensive line. So the you know a, you see a twisting. People call it twist. Um, and just in general, offensive lines are just not picking them up with the same. Um, expertise they used to there's there's many reasons for that I, I won't get into all of them but it's just it's not the same as it used to be so you see when you have you had last night uh la raven clark who's a who was a third round pick two years ago in 16 i guess three years ago now and quinn nelson playing on the left side two guys that really haven't played much together haven't worked much together twist or eating them up um look at the other side slauson and howard there was much, not much issue from, from the right side those are veteran players that have been around a long time so Part of it is just kind of a growing, just getting a knowledge of playing with each other, the communication. One of those hits on Andrew Luck was, um, and to me, it feels a very like an unforced error. Like you can't let Terrell Suggs run free. I know that they chipped him first. Someone's right. got to block him. Like that's and that's more of an issue for the regular season. They're not game planning really that right now. Uh, but nonetheless, you can't let Luck take a blindside hit from a future Hall of Fame player in Suggs in the preseason. So, you know, Alex Marvez threw a wet blanket on all our Andrew Luck excitement going over the actual stats. Of, Did he ever? Of the way. And look, that obviously is is part of this. I mean, you know, if you're going to – and I think he's a little bit right. I think that we in the media love Andrew Luck just – the way his personality, the way he loves football, the way his dedication to the game, and he might get a little pass every now and then. But the you know the pass is always also his team is not talented around him. And like I said, they're building the team up slowly. I think Ballard's doing a great job of that. Um, and I just don't take too much away from a preseason game. I think it's more Amen. about. Amen. Thank you for saying that. That's something just, I've noticed and something that I've tried to beat. Like I cannot stand how Baker Mayfield should be starting after the first preseason game and he should have no chance after the second. Like, there are no overreactions in sports. There are no hotter takes in sports than social media during preseason games. Like, after one series, this guy should be fitted for a blazer to go into Canton, and then after the next series, dude's a bum, let's cut him. It's unbelievable to me. I think there are certain things you can take away from the preseason. And someone tweeted me about this and asked me about it. And a couple things. One, I think is efficiency, offensive efficiency. Let's just start with the offense. Um, you know, are they just generally moving the ball up and down the field? It doesn't have to be pretty or beautiful, but is the one offense, do they look like they know what they're doing? Are they moving the ball? They're running the football. They're completing passes. It's just, does it look like it's supposed to look? I think that's important in the preseason. Touchdowns, you know, field goal. Yeah, okay, sure. But does it look like it's supposed to look? Are you getting out uh, uh, healthy? Are you doing what you have to do on offense? Uh, defensively, two things stand out to me. Pass rush. And this is I'm talking about mostly with the ones, okay, and some of the backups. Pass rush. Is your pass rush there? You know, that that's something that, that 
obviously can be worked on any time of the year, and it's good when it starts the year off well. And then tackling. I was watching the Rams play the Raiders the other day, and the Rams and Raiders didn't play any of their starters because uh, you know they play again in week one. I understand that. Um, and if you watch the Rams, even their backups, they are excellent tacklers. They do a great job of like try of, of making sure that they take great pursuit angles, that they are sure tacklers, that guys are not running outside of them or inside. Like they're doing and that's coaching. And that to me is what you can look at in the preseason. Is your defense, are they making uh, are they having great pursuit to the ball and are they tackling well and are they rushing the passer? Otherwise, there's not much you, you can take from wins and losses. And as far as the rookie quarterbacks, and I think you'll agree with me a little bit of this on Jason, is look, I, I can't tell you sometimes exactly like what makes this quarterback good and what makes that one great and that one bad. You know, I, I, there's obviously people that, that are quarterback gurus. Dan Orlovsky we have on off, and he can tell you a lot of this stuff. Lewis Reddick can tell you a lot of this stuff. Um, but I can tell you, just from my experience, if a guy has it, and I'm not a big fan of this it quality and and – because you can't define it. I like to define traits of players that, that I enjoy watching. Um, but Sam Darnold has whatever it is. Um, just the pocket presence, the movement in the pocket. I think Baker Mayfield, by the way, has shown a lot of that. I've been so impressed. And this is something you can take away as well in the preseason. Just part of the efficiency is his efficiency in the pocket. He has looked good as far as moving his feet in the pocket. He's a little jittery at times. And so is Sam Darnold. But that's kind of the way Darnold plays. But just seeing... Baker Mayfield move in the pocket and not look to run, which he didn't do much in college of. He can do it if he has to and just keep his eyes downfield and make plays. Again, though, it's not with the ones, and that's what I want to see. How does he do it with the ones? Because those guys, those those pass rushers, with the they'll finish the play. And and so I want to see him do it with the ones. Josh Rosen as well, kind of a quiet preseason for him out west. Haven't heard much about him, but same thing. And then you see Josh Allen. He has some qualities that, that I like. He's done a better job than I think, but he still, as accuracy, I think it'll still be an issue and, and, and touch on long balls will be a problem. And then Lamar Jackson, obviously, is probably uh, not close to being ready to play. So there's some things that you can gather from the preseason, but I'm telling you, when the season starts, it's a totally, you, you game plan the whole week. You have your 53-man roster. Uh, guys that aren't, Veterans that are not playing terribly hard in, in week one. I mean, the preseason, you know, week one obviously is showtime for them. The, the 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 speed of the game picks up tenfold from week one, from preseason, I should say, to week one. It's a whole different game. One thing that, uh, you know, I found out attending training camp over the last few weeks, I was just lucky enough to stand next to Dave McGinnis and just let him teach me football in a way that I had not experienced it before, where to stand to understand the spacing and to know before the play is called and before the snap what the defense is in and what the offense should be looking at and things like that. And one of the things that I asked him was, the preseason, it's not really for the fans, but it is valuable. And why is it valuable? And basically the way he explained it to me was, okay, they don't care about wins and losses. You're not trying to win in a preseason game. Well, what you're trying to do well, is try to put your guys out there in the most pressure-filled situations right. to see how they react. And if they go out there and they react poorly the first time, you want that situation again with them to see whether or not that there's progression. Like, you're not worried about winning. It's not that you're not trying to win they want to necessarily, win. <laughs> but it's more about the situations out there and putting guys in as many different situations as humanly possible to see how they react who's most efficient and who's calm and cool under pressure correct from the start to the finish and and you try things out you know it's interesting the the chiefs ran um 
a screen the other day, and it was a design kind of game plan, man coverage beater screen, and it went well. Cream Hunt kind of started on the left, came across the formation. All the line went to the left. The center leaked out to the right in man coverage. And, you know, people, someone asked me, why would Andy Reid show that in the preseason? Well, one, now he shows he has a man beater on third and short. It was the third and medium, third and four. So now teams have to be aware and maybe in man coverage they're a little bit slow or, or, they, or they, 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 run, they, they run zone from now on against them in that situation. And you have to work on things. So, you know, like the Giants, I watch a lot of Giants football still. They run a lot of screens this preseason. Pat Shermer, their, o, their head coach, the OC, the Vikings, they love screens. Well, those are That's a timing thing. You have to run a lot of those to get good at them. So in this in the preseason, to your point, you call things to work on them, to show other teams that you can do it. And there might not be a rhyme or a reason to, to the fan. Why, why are they running another screen? They're 0 for 7 today on screens. Why are they still running them? Because you got to work on them. You got to work in a two-minute situation. There's all these little areas of, of 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 the game where you have to work. So, you know, we've seen teams at times speed speed up the tempo. Okay, let's work on tempo for for two drives. Because you got to see what 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 you guys can do. And to your point about pressure, you really want to put the twos and threes into a little bit of pressure because the ones they know what they're doing. Like I, you know, I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna feel pressure in the preseason at all. But the twos and threes, you want to see how they respond when when it's it comes down to the crunch time and how, you know how they how they responding down you know three with two minutes left in the fourth quarter. How's that second team O line? How's that third string quarterback going to do? How's the fifth wide receiver going to do? You, you got to find these out, and that's what the preseason is for. So I, I don't you know everyone says well short in the preseason. I, I think you could go down to, to two games maybe, but a lot of this preseason is is for evaluation and and it's often forgotten that. Every team is watching this film. So if you don't make your team, there's film on you to make another team. And that often happens, right? So say, you know, say that one team is really stacked in a position, but you're playing well in camp and you have good film and they cut you. It doesn't mean that you suck. It might mean they don't have room for you and then someone else picks you up. So that's why the preseason is important. Is it lets younger players make rosters, not just their roster, but other rosters. Yeah, auditions. I mean, it's, it's almost auditions both for where you are and where you could end up. Another thing McGinnis told me, because I asked him, I said, could we go down to two preseason games? A lot of this is boring. And that's when he explained to me more of the value of it from an organizational standpoint. One of the things he said is, you could probably get away with doing three uh, and not necessarily adding any games to the regular season. You could get away with doing three, but the thing that people don't tend to really think about is, look, for Mike Tomlin or for Bill Belichick or for Sean Payton or for some of these guys that are tenured coaches – with staffs that have not seen very much turnover, it's not as big a deal. But the league has so much turnover from year to year. One of the important things about preseason is getting the operational and organizational stuff down on the sidelines. Yes. Like getting all of those nuances down, understanding the play calling, getting used to the clocks again, talking to your coordinators, who's in the booth and who's on the sidelines. All of that stuff is incredibly important, and the repetitions that the coaches are getting during these preseason games is instrumental, yeah. especially for young coaches in new situations with new staffs. And- and I think what, what and this this caught my attention too the other day because other places have done this before. But Sean McVay did not call plays in the Rams game, um, right? In game two, like they let young play callers and and Bruce Arians has been great about this, letting and I think he comes to mind as letting as as being a guy that that can um, that has allowed other coaches to call plays. It happens very often. If you have established play caller, Andy Reid has done this. You let a young coach learn how to call plays, and that, this is also what preseason is for. We'll take a break. One thing we have not talked about so far is Urban Meyer. 
But there is some information that came out yesterday from Brett McMurphy and the Columbus Dispatch. We will talk about that, discuss what's probably going to happen, which I'll just go ahead and spoil it for you, is going to be a slap on the wrist. This is Outkick the Coverage with Jay Martin. Jeff in for Clay on Fox Sports Radio. Even if your Monday was good, hope your Tuesday has started off better. Thanks for joining us. Outkick the Coverage Radio program. Jay Mart, Jeff Schwartz. In for Clay Travis, he's back on Monday. We're in the Geico Outkick Studios, remote studios in Charlotte, remote studios in Nashville, and of course the studios out in Los Angeles where Danny G, Roberto, and Eddie Garcia spinning the dials radio style. They're our trifecta today. Car shopping can be confusing because of terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people pay for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car Visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. We have not talked about Ohio State, so we shall right now. Tomorrow, the investigative committee is going to stand up and present their findings to the university and to the board of trustees. And then we'll find out probably Thursday or Friday that Urban Meyer is not even going to be suspended. That his suspension is going to be time served in which he made about $400,000. Brett McMurphy tweeted out that uh, well, he retweeted actually the Columbus Dispatch, who kind of it seemed like they were floating out a trial balloon yesterday just to see what the public reaction would be to saying or Ohio State throwing it out, not the Columbus Dispatch, but through the Columbus Dispatch, just to say you know suspension is what's likely going to be the recommendation. It could be time served, just to see what goes out there. And R.J. Bell, who of course hosts the show and has been a longtime contributor here on Fox Sports Radio tweeted out last night urban meyer pushing back hard against even a short suspension both ad and president politically weaker than the public thinks messaging i'm hearing floated in response to the likely backlash is that meyer has already been punished by time served we spent a lot of time the last time we were on this show jeff talking about the urban meyer situation we had brett mcmurphy on we pulled clay out of michigan on his vacation and talked to him about it as well i went from he definitely will be fired to he's definitely not going to be fired, even though I still believe that that is more the appropriate course of action. And it's not because I, I assume, based on the fact that we have not heard otherwise, that we're going to find out that in some way he did run this up the chain of command in 2015. I would say he did it probably as unenthusiastically as humanly possible. The problem for me continues to be twofold. One, there is way too much did Urban know around Zach Smith. And not just about 2015 with Courtney Smith, but also driving intoxicated, also $2,200 of sex toys and photos that shouldn't have been taken inside the White House and sleeping with an intern on what I guess is the Columbus casting couch at this point in the Ohio State football facility. That's one problem. The bigger problem for me is, regardless of did Urban know this or did Urban know that, I know for a damn fact that Urban Meyer knew about 2009 because I read his reaction at the point when he went with, they're a young couple and I saw a very good football coach in front of me and we decided to move forward. That to me is all I needed to know. This guy from 2009 knew what Zach Smith did, had a horrible excuse that made absolutely no sense because, again, even not married, even when I was 10 years old, I knew it was not okay to hit a woman. And we know in 2009, Zach Smith did just that, pushed his pregnant wife up against a wall. And then we know from text message exchanges between Courtney and Zach that he also assaulted her later on. 
The problem for me is Zach Smith was still employed in 2018 by Ohio State University after being, no question about it, a dirtbag of a human being on multiple levels because of multiple different things. Urban Meyer, the one thing we do know about Urban Meyer is that Urban Meyer lied multiple times, especially to the media, and I still don't really understand why. I don't know what he had to gain by saying who would make up a story like that and then coming out and saying, actually, I did run it up the proper channel. Like, Why at that point are you trying to defend it? Just say, okay, I got it wrong, but we got rid of the guy. Should have done it a long time ago. I, I don't understand. That's where I, I am completely cloudy. And I do think there's going to be a large contingent of the population no matter what comes out because of the fact that five of the six people on the investigative committee had direct ties to Ohio State University. And you have to wonder how many of them have season tickets to the horseshoe. There are going to be a lot of people that are just going to say we're never going to know the truth, and they're going to say or believe what they want about Urban Meyer one way or the other. But I think that you probably agree with me when it comes down to the fact that Urban is going to keep this job, and the worst argument, and I saw you refute this yesterday, I refuted this as well yesterday. The worst argument is Zach Smith wasn't arrested or convicted. He was arrested at different times, but he wasn't arrested and convicted, so what was Urban Meyer supposed to do? In my opinion, purely my opinion, What Urban Meyer was supposed to do, especially as the author of a book called Above the Line about trust and integrity, is to not keep a guy with questionable character and someone that had horrible judgment and had made multiple mistakes that you were aware of on your staff to win football games when really it doesn't matter. And then the other argument was always, well, Zach Smith's a really good recruiter. Ohio State recruits itself at this point. They don't need Zach Smith. No. That that whole deal falls completely flat for me. But the fact that he didn't have to wait for Zach Smith to be convicted, you could fire that guy for whatever reason you wanted to. Well, you can. You just would have to pay him probably. I mean, that's that's part of maybe – I mean, Ohio State could buy him out. One thing that, that – look, the, the sex toys order, the photos from the White House, the affair – I mean, look, that's – that really has nothing to do with this story in my opinion. Uh, it might go it's to show – it might go to show character issues, but it really has nothing to do with this whatsoever. I mean, they're juicy details, and they're fun to talk about Danny G having to read out all the sex toys that Zach Smith bought on the air yesterday. Um, you know, like that. It's fun to talk about, but it legit has nothing to do with this story whatsoever. Um, and it, it's funny how it was reported as like a big deal. And in my opinion, it's his personal life. If you if he wants to send. A photo of himself uh, on a on a White House uh, official White House towel that I I wouldn't do it. I don't think you would, Jason. I don't think Danny would do it either. But hey, I mean that says his own personal life, and if he wants to do that and send that picture to whoever, then that's his own uh, personal choice. As far as Urban Meyer, I think it's fairly clear he's not going to be fired. Yes. I think it's um. Here's the deal I've always said is is that. And it, look, the last time we were on, I think Urban Meyer had just given a statement at the end of the week. Um, if he reported this to the higher ups, in my in my opinion, that's the bare minimum, and he's fine. He should not get fired for that, um, for reporting it to the you know the higher ups and, and be done with it. I just think that to your point about writing the book and as as the moral leader of the program. Um, and if you're an Ohio State fan, is this the guy you want leading your program? A guy who, look, 2009, we know he, he knew what happened. We're pretty sure he knew in 15 if he reported it. 
there's there's no question in my mind that he had heard whispers before 2015, right? The coaching community is very tight, um, especially in your own program. The wives talk to each other. The guys talk to each other. Now, maybe no one brought it up. Boosters hear stuff all the time, right? There's, In my opinion, there's no way he did not know about it. Um, and so if you're Ohio State, how do you punish Urban Meyer is the question. And I'm not sure I have a great answer for that because if he did if he did his job, which is reporting the incident to the higher-ups, that's all he's required to do. Um, I'm not sure that you can suspend him for just doing his job. Now, you can suspend him and say, I guess he didn't follow the morality clause in his contract um, and and he didn't he didn't uphold the values that, that we hold to be true. Um, and you can suspend him for that. But otherwise, I think he gets off. I mean, I think he's going to this time served idea is kind of BS, in my opinion, because he's what time did he serve? He got paid and he missed training camp. Like, OK, um, I could really see this happening. I could really see him getting suspended for the first two games, which is Oregon State and Rutgers. Absolutely. And be back and against back TCU. TCU. Yep. And be back for TCU. And therefore, they satisfy um, a lot of people. But I, I don't think there's a right answer for how Ohio State should handle this if Urban Meyer actually reported this. Again, I can make the argument that I would not want that guy to be the coach of my team, keeping on someone who's alleged to have to have um, you know hit his wife or his ex-wife, wherever you want to classify her. Um, and look, I've heard from people at Ohio State that that I trust their opinion, who said, "Look, there's a lot of um, talk about whether or not the allegations are legit." That's and that's not Urban Meyer's job to really figure that out. I agree with that. He's, he's a coach. It's not a job to figure out if they're true or not true. But now you have a second incident, though, and I think people are forgetting. This is the second time now. It's not just one incident. Did it happen? Did it not happen? It's now a second time. He knew in 2009. There's no disputing he knew in 2009 because he said to them, at least according to the reports, and I, I believe the reports, that he, that he advised them to get counseling and also advised her to not press charges, as a lot of people did, not just Urban Well, Meyer, a friend not, of the program did. Hiram, somebody named Hiram on right. the Florida football staff said, hey, look, if you press charges, if you continue to talk about this, Zach's going to lose his job. He's not going to be able to get a Correct. job anywhere else. And what are you and your unborn child going to do then? Correct. It basically came across like a threat. Right. Like a, and and what, just a couple things I just don't, I just don't get is Urban Meyer could have just told Zach Smith, like, look, man, I can't have you on my staff, but I'll get you a job somewhere else and just quietly moved him to another team. Like he could have done that in a heartbeat. No one would have known about it. This might've never been a story. This might've been a story now, but for another program, right? Um, he could have easily just slid him out of his program, not had to deal with the distraction. And this never would have happened. He never would have been suspended. He's going to get a question about this every single week of the year. Now, Every single week, he's going to be asked about this. Um, and it feels like a, un, an unforced error. Like, they did not need this distraction to be there. He could have dealt with it in a way that that would have been quiet, and he didn't. And now this is forever going to stain probably Urban Meyer's legacy. Um, and last point, and this is the first point that you brought up as well. Guys, l- listen to this. Urban Meyer is not a court of law. He does not have to prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. That is not his job. He is the head football coach. He can fire Zach Smith for many reasons, right? He does not have to fire him to have cause to, to have to have guilt in, of a crime to be fired. I, this argument to me is so ridiculous. It's it's people trying to sound smart, pro, innocent till proven guilty, but they have no idea what that means. It's it's this is that's a criminal 
in a criminal court of law, that is the burden of proof. Urban Meyer is not a court of law. He is no burden of proof. Now, you can say that that as a head coach, as a leader, that, that it's best that he knows all the facts, let's say, from the court of law, from the police before making the decision. Sure. But just saying that he that that Urban Meyer has can only make a decision if he's guilty is not the way this works. Yeah, it's it's not the way this works at all. And if this were any other program, by the way, that's not Ohio State, if Urban Meyer was at Bowling Green still, he probably would be gone. I mean, and, and Zach of course Smith he would, be because he, well, he wouldn't won. He wouldn't have the pressure to win that he does and, at Ohio State and Florida. And and secondarily, he wouldn't have had the power. Right. Either. Like he would have known that there yeah. was a big, a lot to yeah. lose for him at that point. And last comment on this, I know we got to get to to Eddie. Um, is my co-host on my Pac-12 Today's show, uh, Sirius XM 373, 6 to 9 Eastern, if you guys want to want to take a listen to that. Sean O'Connell was a walk-on at Utah, was there four years with Urban Meyer. And his point has been this whole time is that the standard that Urban Meyer would hold his players up to should be the standard he should hold the coaches up to. And when he was at Utah, if this would have happened to a player, the player would have been gone. And he thinks the standard, and I agree with this, should be the same. And and look, this is a very extreme case, but if I'm a player at Ohio State, um, I've been following this story, do I think now I can get away with this? If, if I'm accused of, of hitting a woman and my coach, will, will he have my back too? I just think it's, 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 it's a, obviously it's a very kind of far-fetched idea. But if I'm a player who's in that situation and has, has done that and been alleged to do that, I got to think my coach has my back too, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I've used your O'Connell analogy a couple of times on my show in Nashville, and I've told that story to explain the fact that at Utah, Urban Meyer didn't have to win in terms of they're not going to riot in Salt Lake City if he wins seven games. So it does change. Like Urban Meyer, the Urban Meyer that Sean O'Connell knew at Utah changed, I think. Maybe he always had this in him, but he didn't have to. The, the pressure to win in Gainesville and the pressure to win in Columbus – is a completely different animal than the pressure to win in Salt Lake City. So when you look at an overrated and underrated coaches list that CBS put out yesterday that they do every year where they talk to about a fifth of the active coaches to see overrated and underrated, and then you – yeah, it always is. But when you look at the actual comments, not just the list, I thought it was very funny that of Urban Meyer somebody said, yeah, you know what, he's got some characters on his team that I don't think should really be playing for him, (laughs) but they're there. It's like, exactly, because at Ohio State, you kind of have to turn a blind eye to win football games because that's the only way you're going to keep your job. That's the only way that you're going to keep all that money that they're paying you. That's the only way you're going to keep the pressure down. And when winning becomes an addiction, it can absolutely corrupt your soul we've got david in indiana we've got paul in erie pennsylvania i believe on the line we will take their calls but we need to go to eddie garcia now and find out what happens in sports eddie what's up well let's give you a geico scoreboard from baseball where the cardinals beat the dodgers five to three la closer kenley jansen just off the disabled list from a heart issue gave up home runs to the first two batters that he faced in the ninth inning he took the loss st louis is now tied with colorado and philadelphia for a wild card spot in the national league la is two back in the wild card race a's shut off the rangers nine nothing oakland moves into a tie with houston for the al west lead and for a wild card spot in the american league astros lost to the mariners seven to four braves over the pirates 
Pirates 1-0. Atlanta now with a one-game lead on Philadelphia atop the NL East. Brewers over the Reds 5-2. Milwaukee now has that number one wildcard spot in the National League. They're also three back in the NL Central. And in a battle of division leaders, the Indians beat the Red Sox 5-4. Corey Kluber for Cleveland gets his 16th win of the year. That's tied for the Major League lead. NFL preseason Ravens over the Colts 20-19. For Indianapolis quarterback Andrew Luck was 6-13 of passing for 50 yards. No touchdowns, one interception. NFL News veteran running back Adrian Peterson signs a one-year contract with the Washington Redskins for the veteran minimum just over $1 million. This report brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Back to Jason Martin and Jeff Schwartz in the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Thank you, Eddie. We are coming to you live from those Geico Outkick Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. 877-996-6369-877-99 on Fox. Brett McMurphy just did a radio interview and said something pretty provocative about the Ohio State situation. We will tell you what that is, plus your phone calls in our final segment here on this Tuesday on Outkick. Welcome back to the Geico Outkick Studios. Outkick the coverage, finishing up on this Tuesday. Jason Martin, Jeff Schwartz. In for Clay Travis, he'll be back on Monday. He's in L.A. doing some cool stuff. Hopefully we'll be able to tell you about it before the end of the week. Talking about the Urban Meyer situation, I said that Brett McMurphy had done a radio interview this morning and said something fairly provocative. This is what he said, quote, What I find there to be very troubling is that Ohio State is using a verbal recap of their investigation so that nothing will be available via public records. I give credit to Maryland, who's on record, saying they will be transparent in their investigation that from brett mcmurphy this morning the uh, investigative committee will present their findings to the board of trustees tomorrow we'll find out thursday or friday the urban meyer probably has time served maybe they give him a couple of games he'll be back there by tcu the whole thing stinks the whole thing's been a sham we've known this from the very beginning really certainly after that statement came out and they set up this investigative committee we basically knew what was coming let's end with a couple of phone calls here we have david in indiana he's first here on fox sports radio david good morning i was just i was just kind of wondering how how ohio state's going to handle the me too movement i don't think they'll handle it at all i don't know what are you saying Uh, i i i think definitely in road games whenever they play on the road the me too movement is going to be there if they don't fire him yeah i mean they deal with hecklers all the time i don't think this is i don't think there'll be a lot of hecklers Right. I don't think they're going to to make the decision based off of the reaction of visiting fans and how many people might pick it outside their stadium. Yeah, I don't I don't take it that way either. And the Me Too movement is a little bit different than this situation. I mean, Zach Smith's the one that Me Too would be coming after more so than anything else. It just I think that the heckling coming after Urban Meyer is going to be coming no matter what. And I feel like Ohio State is prepared for that because they want to win football games. That's that would that would be my opinion there. Paul in Pennsylvania next. Paul, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for Good. having me on. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Um, I don't think that Urban Meyer is going to get fired just because he will get picked up almost immediately by a competitor. I I I think that they know that some AD from another college is like, well, I know Urban Meyer. You know, he had these transgressions, but he's going to start a new here. And they're going to have to – Ohio State's going to have to compete against Urban Meyer for the next 10 years. They, they're they not going to do it. 
Do you imagine if okay. Harbaugh got fired after the season if he had a bad year oh, and they brought no. in Urban Meyer? <laughs> Oh, I never thought about that. I don't. I don't think they're gonna not fire him for that reason. But um, that would be fabulous. That would be fabulous for college football. If that and twist of a fate happened. Oh my God, how great would that be, Jason? Uh, I mean, that rivalry already. Just, I mean, it would go to nuclear proportions at that point. I do think Harbaugh needs to go back to the NFL, though. Just a personal you know, but opinion. His sti- on that. Dude, his style, though, I think his style of coaching fits college football better because. Kids get to leave after a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, the so... control that wears them that wears on yes, everybody. Like I I went to visit him when he was in San Francisco as a free agent. It was in 2012. I visited three teams. He was the last of the three. And I grew up a Niners fan, so it would be great to play in San Francisco. Um, but man, I met with him, and he is just so intense that I was like, I just I can't do it, man. Like I just I, it just <laughs> it's so 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 and this is like in in march like early march and he could tell he was so fired up i thought to myself well, what's it gonna be like when he actually like is in the thick of the season um intense man and i, I play with i play with tom coughlin i love tom coughlin so maybe i would have liked jim harbaugh too um but i just remembered coming away like man this guy is intense and he told me that sunday's were like he was just so stressful for him that he didn't really enjoy it very much and I love Sundays. That's what I played for. I mean, I, I would have, if every day could be Sunday, it would have been fantastic. Um, and so I get it. Coaches in general, by the way, and this is, might be something that people don't, like, they don't like the games really because it's it's so stressful for them because they can't compete. They can only set their players up for success. They have to call the plays. The players have to execute. Um, and they just take a lot of personal accountability toward the way their unit plays. And I've talked to a lot of coaches about that. A lot of them are just... Completely stressed out on Sundays. Mark in Arizona next here on Outkick. Mark, what is up? Hey, guys. Love your show, man. I listen every day. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Clay was talking the other day about, uh, and you guys might have brought it up too, that uh, Courtney Smith was persuaded to not press charges Yes. Um, in the domestic violence. In Arizona, if the police respond to your house for a domestic violence call, they take both people into custody, and the and the county that they're in decides whether or not to press charges. They don't have a choice of uh, pressing charges. It's out of their hands. Once they've called the police for domestic violence, it's up to the state or the county to uh, to press charges or not. They don't have a choice. Um, you know, so I don't know about you know, what state she was in when, when this happened, but it was in Florida. You know, there, yeah, there's there's no there's no option here to, uh, you know, if the police come, they're taking both people into custody and then they're going to figure it out, and uh, you have no choice as to whether or not charges are pressed. Right. Uh, I, would, I mean, that, I, I, I don't know, know what the, I don't the know the the statutes in Florida. I do know that Courtney Smith made it pretty clear. Uh, in the past several weeks before she spoke to the Board of Trustees or the Investigative Committee, rather, last week, that she tried to file charges in Ohio numerous times and didn't understand why that never happened. That's another one. There's a lot of weird things surrounding this story, from the committee to what McMurphy said this morning, we that might never there's not the going to full... be anything via public records. And we'll never get the full story. No. Not at all. So people are going to believe what they want to believe about this situation. But what we can go ahead and tell you, and we will continue to talk about this throughout the week, is that Urban Meyer is not leaving Ohio State. 
and probably may not be suspended. If he is, it won't be more than two games. He'll be back on the field against TCU. And isn't that a feel-good story? We will see you tomorrow on Outkick. We'll continue to break down the NFL. Tons to come this week on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.